0: Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. While Kyle Kingsbury is best known for his career as an MMA fighter, he also prides himself on being a dad, a husband, and a student. When he discusses his passion for optimizing human performance, he's talking about incorporating practices that will enable you to live in the moment and enjoy it. He's uncovering tools every day through his On It podcast guests, reading, through traveling, and experiencing the French himself. Kyle talks about embracing the technological insights of the modern day, but also yielding to the legacy of more primitive practices. Both have been proven effective and have their place in promoting wellness. Speaking of balance and wellness, this episode is not all incense and dream catchers. John's stories of spending $1,000 on Girl Scout cookies, fighting with a backpack on in middle school, and a list of Tampa's finest strip clubs provide a bit of a yin-yang effect. Here it is, episode 303.
1: Hey, Power Athlete Nation, what's happening? This is Luke. You say this
2: is text. Oh, this is Tex. This
1: is John. And we are Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and condition. Ing.
3: Ing. Ing. How come ing, ing, ing sticks? Well, no, here's the best part is as you're doing it, the look on Tex's face. Can't wait. Is like the same look that you get when somebody mentions Megan Fox. Megan Fox, <laughs> <laughs> What's
2: he? my one. It's <sighs> that is genuine.
4: I like, know it's wow.
2: It's unbelievable,
1: <laughs> man. Wonderful. I'll ever hear about her in the future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: that'd make a great episode if we just break down the four Transformers movies and mean, all the, the lead oh, ladies. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let's push that to the future. Okay. Maybe we do. It.
1: Well, speaking of the future, did you know, John? that we are launching the inaugural Johnny Wad, Johnny Football Training Camp in April of this year.
3: I'm so excited. I can hardly sit still. The inaugural football camp is really going to be this celebration of all things CFB, uh, Johnny Football, Johnny Wad. I mean, to be able to put together an event like this, it's something special. So here's what we got. Listen,
1: so you got Tex, Luke, and John showing up every morning, 6 a.m. Sometimes we get a little Harry Shaw. Sometimes DJ trolls in at 9, and we watch him exercise. But hey, we've been training together for a few years, right? We need, we want to mix it up. We want to have a party. We want to have a training party. So what we are doing is we are opening the doors, well, technically the gate, of Iron Oak Ranch, John's private ranch outside Austin, and we are inviting 15 lucky followers of Johnny Wad or Power Athlete, I guess. You can be whoever the fuck you want to be. You may not, If you don't even know who Power Athlete is, I guess you're and still... And you still want to come train with me. us? Come out. So we're going to have all the information you need on events.powerathletehq.com. But here's what you need to know. We're going to kick off training Friday, midday, sometime. And then we're going to go through... Well, I mean, obviously wrap it up Friday night after some grub probably,
3: right? Yeah, we're going to bring in a meat sponsor and we're going to get a whole bunch of steaks. And after about four amazing... Face melting training sessions, and this is going to be a little bit different for those of you guys that have uh, come to some seminars. of the power, yeah, mm-hmm. the seminars. This isn't necessarily going to be the seminar deal where you know we're actively coaching. What we're looking for is more of a training environment, um, and it stems back from recently. Tex and I were out at Dave Spitz is working with some NFL guys. And we got to jump out and work with them and train with them. And it was, it was uh, fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a great training environment. I thought, you know what? We have thousands of people following Johnny Watt with the 10 uh, year anniversary of CrossFit football coming back around and that seminar in that original environment. We want to try to rekindle some of that, bring people in, actually come in and bang weights and have some fun. And uh, then once we're done, uh, fire up some drinks, have some barbecue and then, uh, you know, head home, do whatever you're going to do and then show up the next day. Yes. Day two. Day two, bright and early, so we can get a whole bunch of training in. And then once the training is done, we are going to take you to a institution here. In central Texas. In West Texas, or I'd say West Austin, which is yeah, known West. as sure. Egg Fest. Hill Country. Hill, Hill Country. Hill Country. So, so for those of you guys that don't know, the Big Green Egg is this smoker that uh, I've had for, geez, 20 years. And when we moved out here to Austin, all everybody talked about was Egg Fest. And so a couple of years eh, ago, we first stupid. get there, I was like, ah, oh, let's go. So I take the kids, I pack them up. Luke's kind of scraggling around, kind of like kicking rocks around the deal. And I'm like, just jump in the car. No, I don't want to. I got to go iron Ashley's panties. Dude, I'm a diva. And nice. uh, finally, after like the third time, he just is like, oh, I'll go. We show up, uh, pay the money in the door. It's all you can eat. There's 50 teams cooking like amazing food. You get to walk around and eat all you can eat. There's uh, um, all you can drink. I remember there was like ciders and beers, the whole deal and you eat till you can't eat anymore and then yeah, you so get it, to vote on what the best one yeah, is.
1: Yeah, it's like a, what, like a competition, right? So yeah. it just, it would be like if we three bros were like, we have an amazing fucking brisket recipe and we would sit up there and we'd post up and we'd serve it to, to hundreds and hundreds of people who would vote and you try to win the best. Yeah. And it's just dudes out of their garage. It's fucking cool. I, yeah. I just think it's a great
2: Yeah, great last deal. year I grew up with one of the guys that was That's right, yeah. I
1: ended up knowing these dudes and then people are doing like kind of creative shit. Like remember the first year we went? I didn't have any, but there was that one dude making that, like, apple fritter fucking ice cream, melted ice cream, like... No, just,
3: but it sounds amazing. Dude, it was them. like,
1: holy shit. And then they had this one dude who, brilliant, like, did this macaroni and cheese, which is, like, the cheapest, Br- like...
3: Brisket macaroni. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. And then but, crawfish oh, last year. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. So uh, we're going to get up, we're going to train, and then we're all going to go as a team over to Eggfest... And put a hurting And on put a shit. beating on these people, and uh, I can't imagine... Um, a better time for the Johnny Wad football 10-year anniversary inaugural training camp. And there might be others coming down the line, but we're going to start with this first one. Yeah. And then our capstone's going to be around this epic adventure. So not only get to come to Austin, bang weights with the crew from Power Athlete, mm-hmm. not just be in an instruction deal, but actually be in a cohesive training environment. Yeah. Get to get your face melted, uh, flip the board, do anything that we're going to do, and then get to go to Eggfest.
1: Yeah. If things like flipping the board up the back hill belt squat, kamikaze, or shared suffering circles, if
2: those things seem like they appeal to you, then you're going to have a fucking great time with the crew here. Yeah, rumor had it that there was a Tillman-Kalsu combination, burn it down. Hmm. Who said that? No, I just made that up. But oh Jesus! Whatever
3: gets them here, you know. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Tillman's coming in the Johnny Watt program. I dropped Wolf, a hint on whoa, it the other well, day. Well. Uh, as I've been going through, just trying to, you know, make sure I'm staying ahead of the game. I all of a sudden was I was going through, and the way that I've been selecting the top 100 workouts is kind of at random so what i'll do is i have my my huge sheet and i go through and i just kind of scroll and stop and i'm like ooh, let's get that one so like spinning the globe oh yeah and then what i do is i try to throw two to three of the ogs in with a little bit of like the new stuff yeah right what i've learned and i kind of mix it in so that way i'm giving at least a few face melters a, uh, a week but yet enough so that I have not completely abandoned who I am and what I've learned. Because when I go back and look at the original (laughs) stuff, I'm like, all I want to do is apologize. I'm so sorry that I tortured you guys like this. I had a fucking great time. It was great. I know. But like, I think in the last 10 years, I've learned a little bit. So I want to put a little what I've learned and a little what I didn't. So I want (laughs) to throw a little caution to the wind.
1: So ladies and gentlemen, if that sounds intriguing to you, first off, if you're showing up expecting like a two hour programming lecture, not the event. Right, we're gonna probably be training for two hours, hanging out. You know, well, I'll put one on at Eggfest, shooting the shit.
3: Oh, oh here we go! God, here we go! Six. But, but Six. If, I will be putting on a but,
1: clinic at Eggfest. You guys are gonna be like, how do you eat thirteen pounds of brisket? And I'll be like, he doesn't even chew. He's chewing.
3: like a dog, <laughs> like and, a duck. And then you know what? If uh, if it's not enough, it just so happens at the Salt Lake. Another right institution down the street for programming right of, part 2 <laughs> <laughs> lecture pardue is for all you can eat barbecue. So if uh if eating, lifting weights, having a few drinks, shooting the shit with the crew from Power Athlete and myself uh and doing a bunch of heavy hard awkward implements here at Power Athlete Ranch sounds like a good time. I thought you
1: were going to say awkward conversations.
3: No, we avoid awkward conversations.
1: Okay. No, we just go balls deep. In there. <laughs> is this an awkward conversation? Awkward,
3: awkward conversation. So we're recording a Power Athlete Radio. Maybe uh, there might be some uh, special swag too, sp- specific for the Ooh, people in oh, the events. Yeah, There's yeah. definitely going to be some lane. pictures and to say I made it through the first Johnny Watt training yeah, camp. Fuck, I mean that would be like saying like, Hey man, I was at every the original single, yeah. uh, CFP seminar.
1: Well, every single like original thing we've done and the people who survived them, like it is the most like first block one, first academy. Oh, God. First fucking CrossFit Football Seminar.
2: First symposium.
1: First symposium.
2: symposium.
1: Like, all of the firsts have always been, uh, like, one of the most memorable.
3: I got a few uh, few trips up my sleeve specific for this group. Oh, all right. Uh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's going to be good.
1: Well, people, events.powerathletehq.com. You can go there, get more information. That's where you're going to register, events.powerathletehq.com. And that's if you want to attend the first, very first inaugural Johnny Watt Training Camp. Enough about us. Let's get on to the most prestigious fanny pack and strength and conditioning
3: Ooh, a lot of fanny packs i'm just wondering what's in there and then the other thing too is uh we've reached out to kyle and i think that he's taking tex with him down to peru for a little medicinal ayahuasca trip so tex can find himself i'd do it i'm not gonna lie to you i would i i shouldn't say i'd do it i'd consider doing Uh, i don't really want to know if i need to peel that onion back I'm not, a, I'm not afraid. Oh, I'm fucking petrified. I, if I were you, I would, oh, I would be, be too. fucking scared you too. too. Me, I'm just normal the, guy. This guy? Uh, I'm really. I'm, I'm nervous for you to be that vulnerable.
1: I'd probably come back and vent the next iPhone.
3: You know what you'd probably do? <laughs> you'd probably come back and be like, what? Everything's fine. I
2: didn't even notice anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything matters now. That's what I think would happen with you. So if everything matters, what should I do first? So he's the anti-Nihilist. Neilist.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, enough about us. Let's do it. Right. Hell yeah. Well, we're fucking rolling, ladies oh, and gentlemen.
5: I love it. I love jumping right in hot. Yeah, dude. One
1: of the we're excited to have one of the more premier fanny packs in strength and conditioning <laughs> on the premier podcast in strength and conditioning.
3: Well, we did have an over under on which fanny pack you would wear. I was going with uh, something in you know leather studded, it's more color. fashionable. Well, I was thinking more like uh, um, I don't know, like Judas Priest. OK, like I actually I think
5: I don't have any nice leather bags anymore. The problem with the leather bag is that I eat like a fucking child. So if it stains the bag with a little oil, it'll stain leather permanently. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've, 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 you know, I get a lot of them as hand-me-downs or gifts. And then I'll just keep that chain rolling and pass them on to somebody else if that's I ruin good. one. Yeah. I dig but this pack safe. Yeah. I mean, that's originally what I wore on Rogan's the first time. I've been I've been wearing these for many years. They're pretty good. They got the RFID blocker in there, so when I'm traveling in other countries, I not to no lose so, your shit. Yeah, yeah, people steal my shit, and it's it's just a good bag. Like they just last a long time, and they're pretty pretty basic, lightweight, but I can fit a lot of stuff in there if I need to. So it's versatile.
1: Man, versatile. I was gonna get the team uh, two Christmases ago on Instagram. There's one of those like paid you know paid placements of the fanny packs that look like a hairy gut. Hanging out the bottom of your shirt. Ooh.
5: I'm like, man, this would be fucking awesome for the crew. And then I just. Didn't, <laughs> didn't do it. Yeah. See, I almost bought that. I was like, I got a belly button. Yeah. yeah and dude. I was like, it just looks poorly made. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't for, want something that's cool for a day and then it sucks ass. Yeah. You and know, like a burner. Apart.
1: You know, burner burner yep. fanny pack. Yeah. Yeah. What about
5: the boombox? What boombox? The, they come the with Jammy speakers. Pack. Oh, Jammy, jammy Pack. Yeah, they yeah. sponsored me for a while. Oh, they, yeah. Like, no, they're shit. pretty legit. They, um, not to poo poo on them, and maybe it's changed since then, but they had an amazing product out the gate, and then they went to like some different Chinese manufacturer for the yeah, drilled the, out cost. The sound is I mean, terrible. Yeah, like yeah. you can't play music louder than 50%, and then the speakers start sounding like shit. So mm. at least that was the case
3: about a year ago. It may be different now. I, was, uh, I actually have a fanny pack that we used for when I had concealed carry in California. So uh, I don't wear like loose fitting clothes. So, I mean, that was a, you know, kind of a funny thing. I remember when I played in the NFL, the brothers used to always try to give a shit about like wearing tight clothes. And I'm like, yeah, you guys can't get in fights with that fucking those pants and those shirts. You're going to get that shit pulled over. And if you got to run from somebody, your jeans are going to fall off. So always wearing fitted clothes. uh, It's real hard to conceal a gun. And Mm -hmm. in California, it's like out here, people don't give a fuck. But like printing in California is a big deal. So I used to rock this fanny pack thing and I had it and I kind of took off in a run and it fucking smacked me right in the nuts and i remember thinking like okay that's uh don't put a gun in a fanny pack and then i was like trying to like work the draw so i had it was just like i was like what the fuck am i doing okay i'm just gonna get a smaller gun Mm. and then i just rocked a revolver that i could hide
5: yeah uh hackleman always has one i I don't know that he has it in his fanny pack but we were talking about that because he's buddies with the sheriff out in um ian parkinson he's he kind of runs all of san luis obispo where, where hackleman's at and uh you know you just you take the course you have the written document and you're good to go but in santa clara county where i'm from they won't even acknowledge anything else in the state you could be in a fucking county a neighboring county that says you have a conceal and carry and once you get to santa clara county and it's not like well known you know but i have like uh, some friends in law enforcement and they're like they don't accept anyone's wow. fucking conceal and carry so that's Like, "Ah, you better not. Oh, dude, it
3: it was like an arduous process to get it in Orange County. And it was a really small window. Like all of a sudden the the new sheriff came in and was like, yeah, I'm, you know, uh, I don't really, you know, like I, this isn't really a political issue for me. So and I I saw that and I fucking applied and went through the process. And I was one of like a handful of people that actually got it. And I remember uh, the day that I applied, the sheriff came to my house for like, I guess, a wellness check or just to check to see who I was. And, uh, it was pretty interesting. So, and then when I got it, like the, the people that were more surprised were the law enforcement Mm. that I knew. They were like, Holy shit, you have a concealed carry. They're like, I don't know fucking anybody that's not law enforcement doesn't have it. Wow. So I was like, cool. Yeah. And then the
1: the switch flipped, right? It became like fucking impossible to get it
3: after uh, three months. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, after that three month period, uh, a bunch of people applied and they were like, no fucking got rid of it. But, uh, I think Trump is trying to get a nationwide concealed carry, Mm. which is, is kind of funny in California. It's a big deal out here. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I went to some course and it was fucking easy. So you just go take a, take a course while you're out here and then you can have that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you supply. And um, okay. so I applied for it. And I went and took an uh, um, NRA defensive handgun course over at uh, Jeff Gonzalez's The Range.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I yeah. just
3: went there. I think it was like a one or two day deal. And uh, once I had that deal, then I just applied That's and not it was bad pretty simple. All. And I think you're up every two years.
5: Fuck yeah. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Uh, Jeff is a mutual friend of mine. That was one of my first. Striking coach is an MMA, Vince Perez-Mazzola, and he's actually had me work with a lot of special ops guys. But he was like, hey, I got a buddy out in Austin who has a, has a range. It's called The Range. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is it Jeff? And he's like, yeah, man, it's Jeff. Uh, when
3: you push out to the fringe, it gets real small. So yeah. that's, what the, that's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, the world's so big. I'm like, "Not really when you push out to the fringe, it's all like one person. You're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And it's always like a one-to-one deal. Mm-hmm. But I met, G- I met Jeff. 10 years ago, maybe, uh, through Tony Blower. Okay. And, uh, Tony was like, Hey, I I got this buddy who's a ex seal. I know you work with the seals. Um, he needs some help with some rehab and some training and I helped him with his rehab and his training and his, you know, wrist was fucked up and then he came and did a bunch of shooting stuff and we've just Mm -hmm. been friends ever since. That's awesome.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah.
3: It is a small world, for sure. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> why uh, uh, we always find that if you kind of fuck somebody over or, like, like piece of shit people, like, <laughs> it gets real fast because it's so small where it's like, oh, that fucking guy, that, oh, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. And then water finds its level eventually. hmm So, Kyle, you're
1: human performance optimization manager, director? Director of human
3: optimization,
5: which is... Uh yeah, it okay. was a position that was created for me it, it sounds as absurd through that i mean it, it, sounds, it sounds amazing it sounds as absurd as it is uh <laughs> you know, it looks great on a business card um a lot of people does it fit i think so for sure well he says know?
3: extra long business cards like yeah, the ones right. that are like you know maybe like <laughs> like like
5: a cool bookmark it's a normal font <laughs> yeah. size it just yeah it is a fucking bookmark. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, earlier I think before the podcast, I basically get paid to learn. So, you know, I run the Human Optimization Hour podcast where I get to meet awesome people like yourselves, learn from them, report back, share the wisdom, whatever it is they're experts in, and then, um, you know, on it pays for all my books, experiences, uh, and that ranges from, you know, doing like an Animal Flow cert that I'll do later this year, all the way to going to Peru and doing plant medicines, you know, so like all these things are experiences. And then I get to talk about those experiences and how they shape my life. And it's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty awesome deal. There's no doubt, but I am the office Guinea pig. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the company tagline is total human optimization. So it's really me trying to stay on the cutting edge of what is the hottest trend right now in biohacking? What is the hottest trend in ancestral living and movement? Like how do we tap back in? I think Greenfield put it best in saying that he's got one foot in ancestral wisdom and one foot in the miracles of modern science. Mm -hmm. So trying to bridge that gap and know like there are, there's some pretty cool technology out there, but then what's the low hanging fruit, you know, like getting in a cold bath. Probably a lot better for you than
3: doing cryotherapy, in my opinion. So I, I think yeah,
2: less expensive.
3: Yeah. Dude, I, I've told these guys the pod, on the podcast probably 100 times. When I got in the NFL, there was a, a, a shit dude. He was fucking older than dirt, but Sean Lundett was like in his 22nd year. And so I'm like a rookie, and I see this dude. He's been you know, punting in the NFL like he fucking punted with like Lawrence Taylor and had Super Bowl rings from like the 80s uh, Giants. And uh, every day he would get in the fucking cold tub and he would do contrast. So I asked him and he gave me this whole deal about in New York, he used to go to this like like the downtown like New York club or something. And uh, the old Jewish guys used to get in this thing they called the cold plunge. And they would go back between the hot steam and the cold. they go back and they felt that it was like the fountain of youth. Mm-hmm. And so this is when he was a kid. And so he always did it. And then he told us a pretty epic story about LT and the cold tub. Like, you know, they, uh, I'm not going to get a story, but um,
4: <laughs> it, if you
3: listen to the podcast, you've heard it. But uh, ever since then, I was like, holy shit, dude, this dude played 22 years. So I got in the cold, and I would do contrast every day, uh, you know, and especially if I was real fucked up, like, it would fix everything. And then the hilarious part is uh, when, like, uh, what was that, about five or six, seven years ago? I remember Kelly Starrett and all those yeah, guys 20, were like,
1: oh.
5: 2011.
1: Yeah, like that. 12.
3: Everybody was shitting on getting in the cold, and it's all about heat. and We don't want to ice things in this. And I'm like, no, that's, oh, that's broken. Oh, that's because that,
5: that ice book came out, and the guy was talking about ice. But it's different, you know, like like local. I think the science does lean towards that if you're going to ice like a local injury it, it gets rid of some IGF one receptors and shit like that yeah but I mean Delays just for, it, but, but but yeah pain, systemic yeah. whole I mean, different fucking but yeah host like the
3: benefits but you, you know it's in the fight game like your fucking hands are fucked up like the last thing I'm going to do is put them in heat like if my knuckles yeah. are fucked I'm putting them in the fucking cold even if it slows down the healing it's going to give me some pain relief and everything just seems to feel better mm-hmm. but they got into this and I was like dude you guys are throwing the baby out the bathwater. and I fucking argued with them and they were like you don't know you and I read it and I was like I still don't fucking agree with it and and then all of a sudden they're like, here are these cold tubs that we're in. And I was like, oh, these motherfuckers, dude, I've been fucking telling you this I'm fucking 99 Sean Landetta that you get, you got to listen to that old man. So it's uh, yeah, no, like I've been a firm believer in the cold. I mean, I do it every day uh, when I get out of the shower, I mm-hmm. always end in cold just cause it fucking makes me feel awake. Yeah.
5: yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how it lights you up. We got a, I think it was Matt Vincent who's, you know, a buddy of ours that, uh, turned me on. It was, it was his home rig that he got with Kelly Sturette. Of just a, a fucking meat chest freezer, yeah. you know, and you fill that full of water and some hydrogen peroxide and other, other goodies, yeah. Epsom salt, caulk it. I don't cock it well, so it leaks a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. not a great handyman. But uh, it still gets the job done. It was 550 bucks. I never have to spend a dollar on ice again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's no and, and it's all ready to go. Yeah. Always
3: ready to go. Always ready for me.
1: Now that's some thrifty shit. I like that MacGyver type shit.
3: Well, uh, Matt was, I think, hunting Craigslist. So I remember he was like, "I don't he want to spend over even cheaper." Yeah, yeah he, he, he was like, uh, "He's like, I won't spend over on, uh, over 150 bucks." And he was like, "I can find it for 75." And I was like, "I appreciate your fucking Craigslist thrifty because well, uh, yeah, that's bat, right up my fucking alley." Bat's, bat's,
2: bats on Rouge is pretty Craigslist heavy. Oh nobody
5: yeah. nobody out here is getting rid of their meat freezer. You know, if exactly. you hunt and right, you have right. a meat freezer for extra food, like you're you're not selling that on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I couldn't find anything, and I was like, "It's." Five fifty for a fucking brand new one, or spend six delivery. hours to
3: drive to Louisiana to fucking get one, yeah. right? And it's free delivery. Like they're gonna come in
5: and put it in the part of the garage I want it in. Like, and you're like, can no I winner.
3: get a three year warranty? And all of a sudden you're like, it's leaking. And they're like, were you filling this with water? You're like, <laughs> no, no,
4: <laughs> that's <laughs>
3: ice melting. <smelled like> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that actually makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, no, I'm um, totally in agreement. I think it's fucking awesome. I just wonder if, as you're like getting in, if it just fucking explodes one day, and you're like, oh fuck i just buy another one. Yeah. I've
5: gotten a lot of mileage out of it for, for having it for a year now.
3: Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: yeah. Fuck. Well, might so, have to put that in. What's the latest and greatest? You were at the Art of Breath. So oh, yeah. is, is breath in or what's, what's on breath, the print? Breath is
5: so hot right now. So
4: hot. <laughs>
5: <laughs> breathing. Breathing so hot. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I think for sure a return to breath. And what I like about Art of Breath is that they're, they're bridging the gap between... They're not dogmatic, so it's not like... Wim Hof is the fucking holy grail. And, and I love Wim and Wim got me into breath work because it was something I could feel. And I was like, oh shit, there's something to this. Um, and there's still a time and a place for that, but also into a lot of the, the oxygen advantage stuff, Patrick McKeon, intranasal breathing, the importance of breathing through your nose when you sleep. And, you know, a lot of guys in weightlifting are, have fucking sleep apnea and they're mouth breathers all day long.
4: Yeah, it's that's a, an issue. It's, that's, a, it's, that's a big it's issue.
3: Usually, uh, I found two things. One, uh, the concussions, because, mm-hmm. like, like, the stitches in the head get all clogged up. And I think it fucking just makes everything real tight here. And, um, and then the other one is obviously body fat. So the bigger yeah. you are, the more body fat you carry. Fucking dudes snore like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Did, did you ever meet uh, Dr. Craig Bueller from Ammit? No. Activated muscle integration technique. He's, you want to talk about human performance, dude. He's probably, you're going to find him soon. He was in uh, Tim Ferriss' book, 4-Hour uh, okay. Body, okay. uh, Dr. Two Fingers. So I, yeah, I, I, read I, I about met him. Craig, geez, like 10, 12 years ago uh, through Tom Inklidon. And, um, Craig does this whole deal and he actually does these cranial, cranial manipulations where they put a balloon in your nose and then he expands it. And you can feel the sutures crack. Paul check did that for me. Yeah. It fucking blew me away. Dude, yeah. the, the <laughs> not first time. The first time he did it, it was like, uh, this weird pressure that I didn't even know I fucking had like got released. And I was like, Oh my God. And he's like, yeah, he's like, that, that was fucking crazy. He goes, all those hits and all that, uh, uh compression just Fucking binds you up, man. Yeah, so like, one eye crying. Fucking uh-huh. like a water box it, 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 it was unreal. And then Luke fucking did it. And Luke was like, "Oh my god, this fucking changed my life." Yeah, dude, it was uh, great. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, fuck, it was great. No, I'm in. Yeah, lots of good stuff there.
5: I mean, I think people. Obviously, we just talked on breath. I think people get hung up on whatever the next great thing is, like whether it's a supplement or a training modality or you fucking name it. And it's like, that's the thing everybody should do. And it's like, no, it's still basics are fucking king. Like I do a lot of weird shit and I I certainly don't train the way that I used to when I was fighting or even when after fighting, training with Jesse Burdick, but nothing replaces a back squat or a deadlift. Like those are two exercises that will always be a part of the arsenal because I can't meet that somewhere else. Right. You know, just well, the, not, it's that, not and also, they that. never
3: get easy. Yeah. I, I, like, I, <laughs> yeah. like, that's kind of my, uh, my, my barometer. If like, uh, if I go away from it and I come back and it's still fucking really hard and all of a sudden it got like, like the weights never get light, they never get easy and I'm like, fuck, everything else that we've ever done, like eventually you're like, oh, I kind of accommodated this a little bit. Uh, yeah. Heavy barbell, I never seem to accommodate. Even
5: like a kettle, that's one of the things I like about kettlebells is you can get a, a kettlebell that is only, like you, It's too heavy to do much with it, but you can at least pick it up and then eventually you can goblet squat it or something like that or front squat it. But at some point, you can fucking move that thing. At some point, you can do all the exercises with it. And I had that with a 32 kilo, and then now we've got we got twin 48s at the house, and I can snatch a 48. I can fucking snatch and, and jerk press do, a 48. Do you guys sell big, uh, heavy kettlebells? We, I think, just stopped selling the 48s because we're doing a brand new powder coat line, and I think it only goes up to 32.
3: Okay. Yeah, I've but been looking. But 48 was the heaviest. I've, I've been looking for some big fucking heavy kettlebells. There's and, the and uh, kettlebell
5: uh, kings are out here in Austin, and oh, they go they? super heavy. They oh. go up to 200 pounds. Yeah, cause cause have I have some
3: gnarly ones, I, uh, That's I, what he's looking for. Uh, I was looking for like a, like 100, a hundred, a one hundred and fifty, and a two hundred. And then the thing I like when I I was looking at different places online, and actually the shipping was more than the fucking kettlebells. Oh, it Always is. And I was like, fuck. I'm like, ah. You can pick that up. Kettlebell Kings will have it okay. right here in town. Oh and fuck! Are- if I can drive, I, I was like, is there somewhere local I can just pick these things up? I have a hard time spending five hundred bucks on fucking shipping for four hundred dollars worth of kettlebells.
5: Yeah, they do. I think a monster there's like a monster set that I think starts at 96 pounds and goes up to 200 and it's four kettlebells. And I I looked into getting, you know, like I'm for sure going to want that for the home gym because, you know, when I was growing up, my dad had two 75 pound dumbbells. And I'd watch him working out with them and I could barely lift one, you know, I could barely deadlift one. And he's like, don't worry, you'll be able to play with those. And, you know, just having that around, you do different things from farmer's carries sure. to, oh, shit, I can bench press these now. And now I can overhead press them and I can hammer curl and all those things. So it's like, it's a good thing to have around, especially when you have kids. Yeah. But like just having a dope 200 pound kettlebell, yeah. like, hey, pick that up, dude. Uh, yeah, the, heavy, John, the
1: heavy sets, 56, 68,
3: 80 and 92. Ooh, that's a. Uh... I think we need that. Yeah, we need him. Uh, Jay Fugera has, uh, he has like a 200 or 203 at his house uh, in his podcast room. And mind you, he's on like, like the eighth floor. So I see it and I go over and pick it up and I start fucking swinging it. And then I had this fucking realization that they were on the eighth floor. So I'm like, do I fucking just let this thing fucking drop? Like, how do I set it down as I was swinging it? I kind of got into this, like, what if I just drop it and it fucking goes through like eight floors and is like uh, at like the car- base, no yeah, like a cartoon and fucking kills some old lady. I was like, Ugh, uh, and I almost like shit my back out as I like tried to like s- gently place yeah, it that, on the ground.
5: Excel- that stopping that acceleration. <laughs> yeah.
3: <is not> fun. <laughs> it's like- well, yeah, And, and I, I could see his eyes get kind of big. And uh, cause I mean, I got like one good fucking pop on it, which got it to swing and his fucking eyes got big. And uh, it was, yeah, it was good. He's like, uh Oh, he's like, Oh, fuck don't drop this motherfucker was your dad an enthusiast or did he have to train for his
5: career no he i mean he was a salesman but which which eventually tore his body apart just working like a crazy man and being gung-ho as the tech tech boom happened with the dot-coms he was selling static control shelving to a lot of the companies like cisco sun Microsystems, so his business blew up with it um and then while it was hot, he was working, you know, 14-hour days. That kind of shit sometimes you sleep at the office, so he kind of got away from it. But his whole life he was super active, the oldest of five kids. They did martial arts, boxing, wrestling. And then he got into uh, more of strength and conditioning probably when I was thirteen, got me a membership at Gold when I was fifteen, you know, sweet so talked to the lady at the front desk and, and uh he was always big in free weights, so it was cool to see. And obviously, much of that culture was formed, you know, I was just talking about that with Jay around bodybuilding and what you'd read in fitness magazines. But, um, you know, yeah, then he, you know, got stressed out from work and actually found jujitsu as a way that would fucking help his mind out, you know, cause there's just that human element that you can't get kind of like I was saying with back squat and deadlift, there's not a lot of other exercise that tickle that. Well, any type of weightlifting and, and running and all the things that I do outside for physical fitness, it still doesn't tickle that human interaction that you have in football or in, in jiu-jitsu and martial arts. So that's definitely been something that's helped him. And he's he got his black belt a few years ago. He doesn't roll much now because he's old and beat up, but works around the house, meditates often, and, and gets on the mats every now and then.
2: Is, is that what led you into martial arts?
5: No. You know, he got into jiu-jitsu right when I was... Uh, I think after my third pro fight in MMA. And that's because, you know, like I said, he had, he had a wrestling background, had done some striking with full contact karate and boxing, but he had no fucking idea what's going on on the mat. He's like, I know there's something to this, there's a science to it, there's technique to it, but I don't understand it. So he just wanted to learn the language of jiu jitsu to be a better fan. So he could oh, know, wow. like, w- exactly what's happening when two guys are on the mat and it doesn't look like. People just grabbing onto each other, playing patty cake, you know. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he fell in love with it overnight. Lost like forty five pounds in the first six months without changing his diet, without eating clean, and uh, started competing more and those kind of things. But that you know, we were always in tandem because he started training in the gi before I did. Even I didn't really respect jujitsu. I I looked up to guys like Chuck Liddell that were sprawling brawl fighters, really good wrestlers, really good strikers, and. Uh, you so know, he was always a belt ahead of me in jujitsu, huh. like from when I was a white belt, he was a blue belt all the way up through black. He got his black first about a year and a half before me. And then I got mine. But yeah, it's, 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 it's been nice to have that chasing his tail kind of on the way up, even though he's significantly older. That's awesome. You guys yeah. ever roll? Oh yeah. Many times. In That's, fact, we is used that like, to,
1: is that like Christmas get together? It's like clear the fucking tree. Let's go. Yeah. They, uh,
5: <laughs> it does happen around Christmas. We were up at his mom's place in, in Oregon and, uh, we just went outside, and it's obviously it's rainy in fucking Beaverton, you know, but we went outside in the mud in our geese and just fucking rolled for, like, two hours. It was awesome. So we, we get that. Yeah, it's like, uh, what do they call that? The feats of strength Yeah. On Festivus. yeah. Festivus. I've
1: got a problem with you.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's good.
1: Feats no, of strength I've
5: heard good. enough, old man. Get your get fucking <laughs> gee
4: on. We're going outside.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, man, my old man, never, I, I found out recently, just at last Christmas, that he, would like, I forget the, he still has his weight, the very first weight set he bought when he was 14 years old in the basement. And I found out it was the first weight set that I had ever lifted when I was a kid, like, 8, 10-year-old kid. And I was never really into it. I was just saw it there and fucking picked it up. But he's been into it forever. And I never fucking knew. Like, that, I've, we had dumbbells around the house, but, he, you know, he's never done proper fucking training. But he's always had weights and lifted weights almost every day.
4: Man,
3: I wish I had this story. My dad just told me that the fucking idiots lifted weights. Yeah. It was no. counting to 10 over and over again, and that would never take me anywhere. True statement. My dad said that. And wow. Man, when I told him I wanted to get a gym membership, and uh, he's like, ah, morons do that. They just count to 10 over and over again. Why the fuck would you want to waste your time with that stuff? <laughs> I was like, Dad, I want to lift weights. I, oh, uh, Bob well warned. <laughs> I think uh, I think this might be something like important and big, and he's like, you're an idiot hmm and uh yeah nice and, to have proper encouragement from
5: those that uh, you're close to yeah exactly
3: like uh and then i remember uh, i bought him a twin turbo porsche when i was in the nfl and i remember i slid those keys across and i was like yeah that fucking weightlifting sure helped out <laughs> and he was like like took the keys he's like yeah he put them in his pocket real slow and i was like yeah and he's like oh, i fucking pay it off dude i didn't know and then he drove that porsche for and he, 20 for, yeah, no no he drove 15 it. 15 years yeah 12 years and he drove mm-hmm. the fucking wheels off of it so Uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, I want my kids to have these memories, not my memories Mm -hmm. where like, you know, your dad's just fucking belittling you and telling you all the stupid shit that you should you know, that, that you want to do is dumb. I want my kids to be able to, you know, Hey, like my dad and his friends lifted weights. They did this thing. Like I want them to have those like epically cool memories, you know?
5: Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's, I mean, like you, anytime you have kids, especially men who have boys or women who have daughters. Like, you want your kids to like the same things you like, but they're their own fucking person. So if my son never wants to lift weights, that's fine. But the way you do it is you you lead by example. You show them that you have fun doing it, that it's mm-hmm. not a grind, that you don't hate it, that you actually enjoy it. So working out in front of your kids is is amazing. You know, it really helps them playing music in front of them, doing whatever the thing is you want them to do. If they see mommy and daddy doing it and enjoying themselves, that goes a long way. Yeah, you at least give them the opportunity to try it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's why we have a big gym on the top of the hill. I showed up with my little boy today. He was, uh, we were working out at seven and at like six fifty eight, he's like, Dada. I'm like, come on. And then of course we have this like, well, you know, you have kids. It's like, take, it's a, uh, it's like a 20 minute process to go anywhere. Uh, and yep. then even to go 10 feet, like he like had his bike and then he fell down and this, and then I'm carrying him in <laughs> the bike. I'm like, God damn it. We're going to be late. And then we show up and yeah, it's, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> he's a funny little dude. So how old is he now? Uh, my little girls are seven and my little boys three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like at like the is best. Is he an stage. asshole yet? No, he's like uh he's actually a really nice kid. Like he's he's uh he's he's a total I ha- terror. I hate hearing that. He's uh <laughs> he's uh he's like um so my wife and I I was like, ah like I think he's a nice kid and you know, he gets along and I asked uh my wife, I was like, you know, how is he at school? And she's like, ah, oh, all the kids really like him and he has all these little girlfriends and I'm like, what's it's because he has sisters. But she's like, No, he's real sweet and he like goes over and but yet he uh he just wants to tackle and climb and, like, fuck shit up, and he's just, like... Yeah, he's a bruiser. Yeah, no, he is. Um, that, and uh, I just keep, like, he likes to take his clothes off. Uh-huh. Like, he's just all about getting naked, you know? Like, if he goes in to go to the bathroom, they were saying, like, he went in to take a leak, and he, like, nudes up and then just doesn't want to wear his clothes. So he came out naked. They were like, oh, God, and then they have to go, like, help him along. So he's <laughs> like, what do you mean? I can hang out naked all day at clothes?" you know? Yeah. So he's, he's a funny kid. Yeah, why is nice. your little dude a little
5: asshole? He is now. Yeah, I think two. You know, everybody's like terrible twos and threes is way worse. You know, but he's he'll be four in May, and we're hoping that this phase kind of shifts as he turns oh. four. But, um, yeah, it's funny. He's just fucking. But is he the oldest? He's a, he's the only right now. Oh, okay. So oh, got, you got you got one. Two.
3: yeah, oh. yeah. We're working on number two, so hopefully this year we will. We'll have another They're kind of like dogs, man. They work better in pairs. That's
5: the, that's <laughs> what we found. Like we have some kids that are around the same age, and it's so much easier having them. Yeah. It really does take a village. But yeah, having other kids around, it's like, you know, the amount of effort needed to to really manage that. Like somebody cries once every 15 minutes, you make sure shit's cool, you smooth it over, and they go back to playing. Yeah. As opposed to having to constantly. Engage and entertain and and wrestle and do the damn thing. You know, it is exhausting. It's It's a lot.
3: uh, Having like multiple, like uh, my one daughter's uh, really good at yelling at him about everything. Uh, (laughs) And then my other daughter's really good about teaching him everything. Mm. And then my one daughter yells at him all the time, was like, he didn't give me a hug this morning. I'm like, well, you do yell at him a lot. And she was like, oh. And I was like, you know, people don't like people that yell at them constantly. And she was, that was like a huge learning moment we had Mm. today. And I was like, you know, it's why a lot of people get divorced. And I, I constantly, like, slip these jabs in because dudes only not like to get yelled at all the time. And she's like, oh, okay. So like,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <The> like Early <laughs> oh, training
3: dude, starts. I have, don't uh, yell at your husband. Yeah, I, I, was like, I was like, no dude likes to get yelled at and belittled. Like, that's just <laughs> fucking, that's a bad deal. So, like, I have this uh, whole idea that I want my daughters to be, like, very well adjusted. And to, like, have, like, a sense of humor, because, like, for the most part, like, girls take things very, ser- like, super, like, more than guys. Just very yeah, things personally. Like, these, all these slights. And I try to tell them, I'm like, if you ever meet a girl that can handle sarcasm and is a smartass, you're usually like, did you have older brothers? And so I try to raise them with that whole kind of vein of, like, having, like, a funny sense of humor. And even their teacher was like, you know, the girls have, like, a good sense of humor, good understanding of, like, sarcasm. I feel like I can joke with them. And I was like, yes. Thank God. Doing it right. Oh, yeah. It's, uh. It's nice. I mean, it's why we moved here. I mean, we like we were in Newport Beach and like the world's most pretentious place, and like really coming out here has really allowed us to like live the life that we want, especially for the kids, like playing and yeah. you know like disappearing and going out and like having this whole like uh, you know I guess like woodsy childhood. You know, probably yeah. like we remember when we were kids, where you just kind of go out that just doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. Uh, I met a
5: guy in Peru that was from the UK, and it's the same thing. He's like, I remember my parents kicking me out of the house as a young man and saying, just be back for dinner Mm -hmm. and that's it. And you're gone the whole fucking day. And it doesn't matter where you go, you're on your bike, whatever you come back for dinner. Whereas now, you know, like he takes his kid and it's the same thing for me. Like you you drive your child to wherever it is, the thing that they're going to do, you know, to the trampoline park or to uh, you name it. And then you take them back home. Like they're, you're constantly, Commuting to to take your kid to different activities, but there's no real freedom for them to just yeah. go out and do whatever the fuck they want.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't no. exist, and that's uh that's scary in terms of like uh, independence and also free play. Like it doesn't encourage them to like you know come up with fucking weird games. Like my brothers and I were talking about all the strange games that we had, and uh, we don't even know how like the rules came up. Like we had one where um, you know ride around our bikes and like fucking throw things at each other. Or uh, oh yeah, we we had that's uh, great. Um, Throw the stick in the spokes. Yeah, we played like field like uh, what was it like um, hockey? We had hockey sticks. where we like, but not on rollerblades. We'd like run around and play hockey. And Mm -hmm. then we figured out that uh, if we set the balls on fire, dipped them in gasoline, lit them, we could just hit them at each other. Like (laughs)
4: like my like my, my brothers
3: and I constantly were like, "What the fuck were we thinking? Like, how did mom even know?" And we'll tell her. She'd be like, "You guys did that? I don't even fucking remember." Yeah. And we're like, well, you were hanging out inside. She's like, I don't fucking know. You
5: play games and the loser gets egged. Yeah. <laughs> line up on the wall, We got 20 guys are going to get
3: one crack at you each. We, we had a game in our pool, which was called Drowned'em, where the one dude gets like, uh, you go in the middle of the pool with one dude and then one guy gets like uh, him in the, his best choke hold. And then take some underneath, and you have to fight your way, fucking, for survival. Drown them. And that was we're our fucking game. In, I have an Literally, idea. it was called Drown Them. And like, uh, like, Jungle it was full open. Let's go. It, it was a fucking basic game. And uh, you're like, you know, and then the other people stand around, and they just ch- they ch- uh, drown them. So you're like, hang on, like, Drowned them, Drowned them, drown them, and you try to kill the person. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fucking. Like, it's like a good game. All, yeah, all these things. They would be writing books and fucking there'd be like a special about us now. It'd be like, these kids tried to drown people. I'm like, well, everybody comes over gets drowned. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy, uh,
5: he never did quite recover from my at <laughs> dog's
3: house. Yeah, no, that's brutal. But I, I had two older brothers, so I was the youngest of three. And uh, so it just all seemed normal to me. You know, you fucking, you mean you don't get your ass beat every day? Yeah. Like, I remember when I got to actually go play football against uh, in high school against kids my own age. I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. You know, because um, I, I started martial arts when I was six. And then I about 10 years old, I thought kicking was stupid, and I wanted to box, and then did that. And I always fought, you know, because I was pretty tall and pretty big. Like, I always fought against older people. And I remember by the time I got to actually battle against dudes my own age, I was pretty stoked. Yeah, it's a different playing field oh, yeah. there, for sure. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, this is great.
2: You know, so it worked. We, we were the last class to get paddled. So after eighth grade, literally dazing a fuse was real life. So last class to get paddled, all the rising seniors would just show up at the 8th, end of middle school, 8th grade last day, and uh, I guess it was handed down from older brothers, older sisters, they're like, last day of school, you you gotta go walk to the mall, walk to the restaurants. So that was their way of getting us out. So then we're just walking on the streets, all these pickup trucks pulled up, threw us in there and took us to a party to get paddled, but then somebody told. And so we were the last class, and we couldn't do it when we were seniors. So, it was, yeah, you times got, you got so is that, that why
1: up? you're so angry, Tex? You never got your
5: paddling in? <gasps> I, I didn't get it out. Well, he got paddled. He didn't get to give the paddle. Yeah, yeah, he was only receiving. He didn't get to give it. Didn't, <sighs> there was no reciprocity in Tradition that Tradition died. Yeah. I remember when we went to zero tolerance. I fought a lot growing up. And by the time I was a freshman in high school, it was zero tolerance policy. So if you shoved a kid, you could be expelled. And it was like, oh. What and, year was this?
3: Like, 96? 96? Okay.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I, I senior year was 2000, so it must have been 96.
3: Okay. Yeah, that's... Uh, my senior year of high school would have been 94, and then I graduated in 98. My first year in the NFL was 99. Mm. So we actually had a violence policy in the NFL, which means you try to kill people every day, so I kind of missed <laughs> that out. But, yeah, I remember school fights all the time, and, like, it wasn't really that big a deal. People didn't really get expelled or anything. People any that, so.
5: fight a lot in California, or at least they used to before the zero-tolerance shit. Mm. A yeah. lot, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of blew me away. I think
1: we all agree that you kind of, let, you know, the fight club mentality, I guess, to be a little cheesy. Like you kind of need that to learn a little bit about yourself to get into that human kind of combat. Yeah, I get that scenario. Do you, do you have any plans for your boy? on like, how you're going to
5: try to off, like
3: offset the lack of violence or John? I mean, well, but, uh, I remember fighting in like the dojo and I remember boxing in the ring and I remember the first real fight. Like when I meant real fight, but like actually like street fight, I got into with a kid, uh, I was like strangely nervous, um, but I, I remember seeing him throw punches and thinking to myself, "Holy shit, dude! This kid's never been in a fight." Mm-hmm. And like he like kind of flailed at me, and I remember I fucking hit him with this like straight left, like snapped his head, and then I hit him with a right, and the kid went down. And like everybody was like, "You're cheating!" and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> But that's like street rules. They're like, no wrestling, yeah, no kicking. Well, You're like, but if I
5: punch him clean in the face, that should be a fucking a well, lot. No, oh, wow, these but, are the rules, right? But
3: I, I was so nervous. Uh, I had my backpack on, mm. and I, like, should have dropped my backpack. But I was like, well, if I drop my backpack, does that, like, uh, is that cheating? Because these kids were like there was this whole thing about cheating and fighting mm-hmm. and i don't remember like oh you can't cheat i yeah, remember they're
5: like, making the rules up as they go <laughs> but, but i remember i hit
3: this kid with a straight left and then i fucking clocked him with the right and the kid went down and uh they were like you're cheating you punched him you know how to fight i was like i don't know why that's cheating and he he was a bitch yeah. and, and the better part was he was a year older than me and then we went to high school the whole time and for years i'd see him i'd be like what's up you want to okay. go again and i talk shit to him. They'd, even if I saw him today, I fucking can't remember his last name. His first, his first name was Brad, which is even more funny because every time we see like Barstool Sports, it's always like Brad and you know like, <laughs> Brad and Chad, and Chad, Brad and Chad. But yeah, I mean, uh, like, um, and then I'm sure, dude, for you, like the same thing. I remember like, uh, like actually getting in that, but like having fucking been punched so many times by my brothers and then fucking punched so many times in like within the fighting space, it didn't really seem that big to me. I was just more nervous. I didn't. You know, fucking one. I want to get my fucking ass beat because that would have been embarrassing. Yeah. yeah well,
5: well, I think you, there's like this, this common thing where you think if someone's willing to fight me, surely they know what they're doing, right? <laughs> they must know what they're doing <laughs> if they're willing to fucking throw down. Like, uh, whoever. Oh, God, no, that's not the
3: case. At anybody's all. ever been ever. to a bar and knows that's not the fucking yeah. case. It's the dude that doesn't know how to fight is the one who's trying to fucking fight everybody. Yeah. That's the one with the chip on their shoulder. It's and
5: even like if somebody trains MMA or trains jujitsu, you know, that's the guy or gal that's going twice a week to the evening class. Not somebody who's entering competitions and training full time and really making, you know, like once you get to a certain level, you've been tapped so many fucking times. Like the humility and, and the experience of
3: getting your let out and getting the chip off your shoulder, it's kind of woven into the experience.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Well, I remember in Orange County, I used to always meet all these dudes that, you know, with the tap out stickers and the fucking the gear. And like, you know, I fucking fight MMA and, and you're like, look at me you're like, man, those years... They don't look like you fight MMA. Your knuckles mm-hmm. don't look like you fight MMA. Like, you look like you fight fucking, you know, L.A. boxing fucking, like you said, like the weekend class to go in there and do the boxer-size bullshit. But everybody's an MMA fighter in Orange County now.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was funny seeing the affliction and oh. all
3: that shit blow up, you know? Oh. It was
5: good. It was good for fighters. It was a good run when we had sponsors, but <laughs> definitely a different crowd. Oh, you know? dude,
3: yeah. No, it, it, was, uh, it, it was like a plague of fucking humanity. And, uh, my buddy Jade, uh, was one of the, the guys for tap out. He was in there, you know, I don't know what Chuck and those guys had there, Mm -hmm. like little four dudes. My buddy Mm -hmm. Jade was one of the guys in that. And then my buddy Rick from Starling gear did all their original designs. Oh, cool. So I, kind of like knew those dudes peripherally. And, uh, but I was always like, God, these fucking dudes that are wearing this shit are such douchebags. I went on a tour for the troops with punk ass and scrape and they're fucking Jade was mask. Okay. Yeah. 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 With the long hair.
5: Yeah. Yeah, man. They're super,
3: super sweet. Yeah. And then I think Todd White did some of their uh their art stuff. Or okay. it was it was Todd and, and you know, Todd White, the artist, he lives right up here. He's got a jiu place over oh, on two ninety. Cool. Very cool. And um, but yeah, that was my only connection. Remember, we went to one of their we went to one of the UFC fights in Orange County and I was like, Holy shit. It was more violent in the stands than it was in oh, yeah. in the in the ring. Like dudes were fucking just throwing down like left and right. It was insane. I was like, Holy shit, dude, this is crazy. It was a good time. Yeah. Definitely a different era, for sure, for the sport. So, what? Uh, I mean, um, as the head of total director op- of human optimization, human optimization. term. Okay, so let's break it down. So, optimization of of the individual. Um, how long have you been at that post? Um, about a year, little over a year and a half. Now. So, little little over a year. Uh, what would you say for you know? Because like, uh, whenever I'm on a podcast or whenever I'm in a discussions like this, I always think in like takeaways. So like whenever I was in college, like whenever I went to a lecture, my biggest thing was like, what do I take away from this lecture? And obviously from all the fucking concussions, I'm not going to be able to take away 60 minutes of this. And I'm sure people listening to this as well are like, you know, what's the takeaway? What is you as the individual? I mean, we listened to some of your stuff and I did a little research before it, but I mean, from, you know, the fucking Amazon with ayahuasca trips and microdosing, and, you know, everything from supplementation to this, I mean, there's really a gamut that you've, uh, you know, looked into, what would you say? Like the, the three takeaways or more importantly, like the three things that every person should be doing, uh, you know, within the space of which you're studying. Yeah. That's a loaded fucking question. Oh, um, good. Because I, I it was, <laughs> I intentionally did this because I'm fucking curious. Cause, uh, um, I think, um, like the, uh, and I'll, I'll let you get into it, but like the, it doesn't seem all that really complicated like you know you try and you lift weights you know like uh, you know we talk about the meditation stuff mean, it's always been a big piece you know eat a clean well i can't say clean diet anymore because that's such a fucking loaded word it's like but all natural oh, at fuck. the grocery
4: store yeah all natural it, it's, doesn't it's, mean but, shit.
3: but like a, a diet like for me it, it, like the least amount of ingredients is kind mm-hmm. of the way i look at shit mm-hmm. um simple. you know simple um, you know, remove stress. I mean you go through all these different things, but like is there one thing that the most people don't know about that's on the cutting edge of this of uh, what you're in the optimization?
5: Well, yeah, I don't know of the one thing I think the way I break what it three down. Things? Yeah, the three the what the way I break it down is to look into all categories of optimization. So what is that? That's physical optimization. A lot of people only associate on it as a fitness company. Obviously we're more than that, we're a lifestyle brand now and we pump out a lot of content that surrounds that, but really looking at myself, how do I optimize myself physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? And so as I go through those four categories, there are practices for each of them. Uh, the basics are the low hanging fruit. And that's really something that you, you can't overlook in any category. That means doing some form of body weight training, uh, some form of weightlifting, some form of cardio that's high intensity intervals, some form of cardio that's long and slow. Maybe I'll do a 10K row where I only breathe through my nose the whole row. Um, just various forms like that. And then how I get the let out mentally, emotionally is consistently checking in with myself. So having some form of meditation practice doesn't mean I sit quietly in a room every day. Most often it's a walking meditation out in nature because if I have energy and shit stuck, I need to move that. I need to be able to get outside and just walk through that and, and kind of soak it all in. And, um, you know, People have been going to nature fucking since the dawn of time to get their mind right. Einstein did it. Uh, A lot of our great thinkers did it. We're just now publishing. Sean Heisen just wrote an article on forest bathing, which has been studied since the 80s in Japan. It's it's like a no-brainer to a lot of people, but how often do we go from the box of our house to the box of our car to the box of our office in return, and we don't see the fucking sunshine. We don't see the stars at night. We don't see all those things. So I think having that, really helps settle me and, and, and get my mind right. But, you know, that's a very basic thing. Go for a walk every single day. That's something I do. It's one point one mile loop just outside of on it. And some days I'll walk ten miles listening to Audible and some days I'll just walk a mile and kind of clear my head. But if I, I find if I check in with myself throughout the day, when I have, you know, finally lay down to go to bed at night, I can sleep very well because I've sorted all my shit. If I have a really busy day and the first time I actually contemplate what that day looked like is when I lay down in bed, I'm fucked. I'll yeah, be like, it's, married married it's for fucking, fucking two nightmare. hours figuring that shit out. So, uh, checking in with myself, some form of movement, which varies. Uh, I really only lift heavy probably a couple days a week now. But, you know, other days will look like cardio or maybe some type of bag work where I'm, I'm you know, tickling that striking and, and uh, more primal. I uh, get the fucking let out yeah. bang, banging something, um, you know, and then having balance, not only with working out, but working in, that's a concept Paul check gave me. So working out is energy expending, that's going to be weightlifting, running, things like that. Working in is going to be breath work or Tai Chi or Qigong or these different practices, even the cold that leave me more whole than when I started. So they're going to build my energy stores, not deplete me, having balance between that. And then also having balance. In my life, where I can actually, you know, work the hours that I work, and when I'm done working, I'm fucking done. You know, when I start my job as dad, when work ends, I'm 100% invested as dad. I'm not doing emails. I'm not answering work calls. I'm just there with him. So, you know, as Ram Dass said, "Be here now, wherever you are. Be in that fucking experience." And the more present I am, the easier it is to get into a flow state. The easier it is to have that timeless interaction where you're just full play, you know, and and life is less serious in those moments. So it's a constant work in progress but I think those are the things that I I find critical is um, having balance throughout my day, having balance throughout my life and then finding ways to work in just as much as I work out.
1: Yeah, the work in concept, I think uh, a lot of folks miss out on. And I think about our buddy over in Lakeway who's having a hard time. Mm. He's all fucking he's all burnt up and that's what he doesn't do enough of is that work in just kind of even gathering thoughts and
3: chilling out on stress Uh, i'll dude uh um you saw my commute there's my house and i walk (laughs) here and then uh you know we work every weekend around here whether it's like cutting the lawn doing all these different things and like my kids and i we uh mended fences and cut down trees and like i helped them build forts and stuff and uh i like feel sorry for like the life I used to have, which when we, when I was in Newport beach was like a three mile commute to Costa Mesa, which took about 20 minutes, which is fucking seems crazy. But driving down 17th in Costa Mesa takes that long. And then like the fact that I just commuted back and forth and like our only green that I got to see was like our front lawn. And, uh, like we always talked about like, Hey, we got to like, you know, go camping and do these things, but like you got to drive three hours. And then it's like with all the, sh- the kid things and to uh-huh. load them up as kids. And I was like, fuck dude, this isn't the existence that we you know, one that I'm happy with and two, it's not what I want my kids to have. And so thank God we have the ability to do, you know, whatever we want anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and then these guys being mobile enough to be like, fuck it, let's go, let's pull the ripcord and actually try to find something better. And I think so many people are stuck within the the confines. They feel like they can't do that. Yeah. And, uh, we were very lucky, man. And people ask me, I'm like, ah, I just think you just gotta go. You just gotta, you know, cause what, what are you yeah, gonna it's do? It's never you're, fucking easy. Yeah. What, what are you going to rot until you're 50 and then all of a sudden realize like, fuck this isn't the life that I wanted and I spent like my entire youth living the life that I felt like I was fucking penned into instead of doing something I want
5: yeah I think that's a critical misnomer that we have as a society is and that I think we're you know if you're in your 30s and 40s you we were handed this down from previous generations but it's the you know, work your ass off now. Then when you retire, you'll get to do what you want. You know, I'll be happy <laughs> when at this thing and that fucking day never
3: comes. No. Right? Like when you retire at 60, 60 like, like, let's say 59, 60 yeah, you're gonna years travel old, travel the world then. And, and then yeah. when well, you die at fucking, you know, 72, and then you've fucking worked your whole life to have these 12, uh, 12 years where you're old and not able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, man, it's, um, I, I'm surprised we're sold this. I mean, it, it, it's fucking well, most awful. people I think now realizes bullshit, certainly <laughs> realizes bullshit. And that's part of the issue with
5: them buying into being a cog in the wheel. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of young people don't want to have traditional jobs for all the right reasons. Um, they haven't necessarily found their way yet. But I think at the same time, it is about having a little bit for yourself every single day, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And that doesn't mean. I mean, it can mean indulging, but for the most part, it's just like carving out space to, to satisfy your own personal needs, you know, and and we're, I was reading this, there's this great book called Conscious Loving with a guy named Gay Hendricks and his wife, Kathleen. And one of the things they talk about in a healthy relationship in any relationship, whether it's your significant other or your child or work, it's, it's closeness than separation. The healthiest relationships have that balance. Sure. And if you're super clingy or needy, or you want to be, I don't just want to be with you every day, ta- every day, all day. It's like that gets fucking old. Like people, you need to have that reset where you have your own space to lift weights or your own space to go for a run, or your own space to be in nature, your own space to meditate, whatever that is. Without that, there's no breaks, right? And I, and I talk about that. I did a speech at Paleo FX on cognitive optimization. But how important the nap or siesta or break in the midday is so you actually have energy in the afternoon and how you see corporate corporations like Google and a lot of these places have nap pods and they're fucking encouraging because they realize the science is there to support it. And they'll get more production out of their employees later if they actually give them the ability to take a break. If you don't have that, you can still carve that out for yourself, you know, go to your fucking truck pack your own lunch eat it real quick then throw in binaural beats and meditate for 30 minutes or take a quick nap those kind of things but i think that little piece goes a long way and you know you compare that to weightlifting like if i'm going to squat all day long like arnold and franco used to do once a month i better take rest in between those sets hmm. if i try to squat all day long and i'm not taking breaks i'm going to suck i won't to be able to squat the bar by the end of the day right but if i actually want to be productive have meaningful work there needs to be breaks. There needs to be adequate rest in between. So, same thing goes for being productive at work, being engaged with your family. Like all that comes to making sure that my cup is full energetically.
2: That way, I can be supportive in the best ways. And how do you how do you teach that at, at work? Because I'm sure you got some young gohards that just want to take over the world. So, do you let them burn out and then wait for a teaching moment? Or I, yeah, you is have it built to. I mean, in?
5: that's the thing, right? You can lead a horse to water. It it really comes down to is the person willing to learn. You know, if, I mean, if you have a guy come here for the, for the strength symposium and they've got it all figured out, they're going to learn a lot less. I can't wait. Right. I, it's, <laughs> it's my favorite. When people have it all figured out, I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. But they're going to learn a lot less yeah. than the, the, the person that comes in and maybe even has 20 years of doing this. And they're just like, fucking teach me something, John. I can't wait to learn. Right. That's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. And, and Kelly Sturette, you know, he talks about this, that he's a teacher but he's always a student so if somebody asks what he does for a living he says he's a student i mean that's that's the mindset to have going forward so we have plenty of people i think that i don't know what the what the uh, the term is for it but like 20 percent of your company does 80 percent of the work yeah. right so like there's some people that are just grinding they're in at 7 a.m they're out at 7 p.m my buddy eric godsey who's been a regular on aubrey's podcast kind of the company psychologist he's a workhorse he's 27 you know but
3: you and know, and he I'm, should be. Yeah. He's twenty seven. Fucking go. I'm,
5: I'm just letting him know, like, hey, man, just take take a little bit for yourself each day. You know, if that's on a lunch break or if that's shooting shooting basketball, whatever the case is, just have that little bit for yourself each day, and then you'll be able to stretch this longer. But yeah, oftentimes, I mean, same within health and wellness. Like, what got Rob Wolf into becoming Rob Wolf? Well, he was a raw vegan trying to get vegan huh. puss, you know, while he's in college, <laughs> and then his fucking health went to shit, and then well, he almost died. Maybe this paleo thing is worthwhile and then he gets into meat and he gets in all this and he, that just was the seed planted for him to learn about what he puts in his body really has an impact on it a lot of people get fucked up and then that's what brings them over to this side of the fence where they want to take care of themselves you don't realize what you have until it's gone and uh, another great paul check quote that's one of my all-time favorites is um sooner or later your health will be your number one concern you yep. can make it that now, or it can be on your fucking deathbed where you
3: have nothing but regret. Well, it's like, uh, what did the Dalai Lama say when they asked him what puzzle's the most about man? He's like, you guys waste all of your health trying to accumulate wealth, and then as soon as you're wealthy, you waste all your wealth trying to recapture your health. And I always thought, like, that fucking, that's what he, I think it was what he found odd or strangest about man. And I always thought about that, because that was me in the NFL. Like, I'm going to burn it down to try to be as successful as I can, and then all of a sudden the game ends, and you're like, I'm fucked up. And then you go on this fucking mission to try to fix yourself. And thank God I was able to and find the right people to, to fix a lot of shit that was, you know, of course, you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you need a knee replacement. You need this. You need this. And then you find people that are outside the sphere of fucking conventional medicine that end up having these like uh, monumental life shit switches for you. And uh, I was fortunate to find that. But I think you have to be in that growth mindset. I used to always be a white belt. That's my deal. Like, always, you know, always want to wear a white belt. And uh, so it's funny that Kelly says that. I mean, but it's true, man. You gotta be in this constant growth. And I think the one thing which is so impactful, uh, even though I hate this podcast, I fucking hate doing the podcast, it's fucking (laughs) worthless. But I say that by how much he's Uh, by how much I talk. (laughs) We're having Uh, a terrible time right now. (laughs) But I I tell him all the time, like, God, I fucking hate this thing. And then of course I get on here and talk nonstop. But um, the one thing that I'm so lucky for with this is that you get to connect with different people and it's this like constant growth mindset of like hearing new information, helping me kind of sharpen my blade to establish who I am based off of information.
2: So, and you always learn something. And yeah, also some affirmations for what you've been doing that almost like, oh, it's support. You mean I'm not crazy? Like that one all the time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're still friends, right? <laughs> shooter. Kyle, have you noticed shooter. that? Shooter. We're going to go to the Red yeah, Lobster. lobster yeah, yeah, right? Red Lobster shooter? <laughs> my my treat? Yeah, <laughs> Kyle, have you noticed that people of different experiences find the same thing? without connecting to each other. So whether it's principles or tools, application, guys from all over the world find the same thing through different paths. Have you seen that with your podcast? Yeah, I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that just
5: in general, like watching on its culture. People come from all over the world to it, you know, and they're just drawn to that. Um, Even outside of work, you know, you see what is what whatever that low hanging fruit is in all things we just had a guy on uh, Alan Stein Jr who's who's trained um Kevin Durant Kobe Bryant these different people and he's like they're they're all masters of the basics you see a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you watch them roll and you're like all these guys are like, you do a seminar with one of the best guys in the world, like Marcus Buciccia or somebody that they're teaching you fucking basics. Like how to do a triangle. Yeah. This <laughs> is how you pass. This is how you pass guard. Yeah. And they're like, well, I want to, I want to do fucking barambola. I want to do this other shit. Yeah. I want to get crazy. You know? And they're like, oh no, passing guard is really fucking important. Like that is something that we should be working on. So I think in any, in any of these things, even like, you know, when I got to train with Jesse Burdick for a couple years, he was queuing the whole way through the movement but he was teaching the like how to squat how to hinge how to do like it was all proper shit it wasn't fucking fancy snatching and you know box jumps and all this other stuff that, that can be cool and has its place in it but it was the basics you know and
3: i think that but you have to remember the basics aren't sexy and it's hard to fucking sell the basics when you try to teach people because you know that that would mean that everybody would assume that they're in a like a growth mentality what do you mean i'm advanced why, yeah. why, why, why are you wasting time teaching me basics? You're like, cause your basics are fucking shit. You yeah. know, like you, like you can't build a house on a fucking, you know, sound platform. It's going to fucking just go down.
5: Yeah. I think like my first year as a coach used to tell us smooth, s- slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. Right. And just fucking remember that as you're going through something, like the better I do at it, the, the better I'll be at it. You know, like I don't, I don't have to. It's like, like pr- practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice, practice makes perfect, perfect. Right. So like, like being very mindful of each step goes a long way in anything you do.
2: Who's been one of the most influential guests that you've had on the show?
5: Well, I mean, I've already spoken about him ad nauseum, uh, Paul check by far. He's, he's been on the show more than anyone else. We just had him on a third time. I went on his show living in 4D. He's got a new podcast. It's, that's excellent. Um, When I think of total human optimization, like he's somebody who embodies all the fucking things. Uh, He's been indoctrinated from the Native American church. He's legally allowed, federally recognized as uh, somebody who can perform plant medicine ceremonies. So working with things like ayahuasca and mushrooms and all that good stuff. Um, Huge into many different forms of meditation. I mean, he has a living library that's, that's I mean, it's, there's nothing I've ever seen like it. You know, it's the complete works of Carl Jung, the complete works of Ken Wilber, the complete works of you name the great thinker. He's read all of it and, uh, and he can recall it and he can regurgitate it because he's embodied that. And you know, one thing he told me back in the day was if you just read a ton of books and you don't apply it to your life, you're the smartest guy in the room who doesn't know shit. Huh. So if you can embody that thing, that's what become, that's where you take it from knowledge to wisdom. And I think that's really critical. It's easy to get, if you're in the growth mindset, to be like, give me more. I want more. I'm ready. And you're just constantly searching, constantly searching. You're never just being in the moment or living the thing that you hope to accomplish. But you can do that now. And that's not fake it till you make it. It's just fucking let me take a little piece of this thing that I learned from each guest and apply it to my life and see how it works. And I think from there, you know, a little goes a long way. You know, it doesn't, you don't need to make giant changes and I'll never eat carbs again or I'll fucking, you know, like whatever the thing is, you know, like you can just take baby steps towards the right direction.
3: But most people to make a life change, it has to be extreme. Like, uh, you know, I've lived this unhealthy life, so now I'm going to go the fucking 180. I'm going to become a vegan because I saw some skinny bitch on TV or something that said vegan was the way to go. And then Mm -hmm. it's like this extremes. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, what I get nervous about is when I see people that are too extreme. Like it's either one side or the other. It's like, hey, I was a vegan and now I'm a carnivore. And you're like, what about balance? What about like somewhere in the middle? Like why don't you eat some meat and some vegetables and not be a fucking crazy person? But the problem is, is that the middle of the road... Uh, like I said, man, it's like the basics. It's not sexy, but unfortunately that's what gets most people where they are. And, uh, I mean, uh, I'd love to have a steak every fucking meal, but like we, what do we joke? It's just like the rich guy. I want to eat fucking Costco ribeye every meal. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, you're going to be healthier if you consume some monounsaturated fats. And if you consume some fucking green vegetables, than somebody that, you know, consumes nothing but carnivore. And Rob and I argue about this all the time. He's like, oh, well, there's some people I'm like, okay, there's a, small amount of people I'm sure that have some autoimmune issues that it fixes but for the most people it balances. usually vast, the, vast majority yeah, yeah. It, it's
5: balanced yeah. it's yeah. like there is a population that yeah. I think could benefit from it but but, but I mean if they're so at, fucked
3: by the time yeah. that they can't yeah eat. like when you get to you, the point where carnivore is your fix holy shit, like, what's, you know... And what did it take to get there? Like, what, what have you tried? Well, well Rob you know? just had that whole uh, deal with that gal who, I can't remember her name, like, uh, actually, like, you know, a pretty girl, and she was reading, like, you know, uh, here is, you know, my blood work, and, like, this whole history of, like, her going to the carnivore That's, Yeah, she was just on uh, Paleo Solution uh, with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, i fucking forgetting her name. But, like, if you look at her level of dysfunction before that, like, it's...
2: It, but isn't that one of the challenges we gotta battle? Right? Someone is so unhealthy in their lifestyle, and then they try vegan and see this giant boost of
5: Well, health. most people, and that's the thing, like you might see a boost in, in being vegan initially, yeah. right? It's, it is that sustainable long term. So no. if you take away the dogmatic approach, it's perfectly fine to go vegan for a week or for a month or for six months. But the second you feel called to eat meat, the second you're like, damn, that steak looks good. Listen to your fucking body. Like uh, if you're I pregnant, listen to your body. You have a craving. That's because you want something. You're craving pickles. Yeah. You need salt and probably some lacto fermented probiotics. Like yeah. your body wants that. Listen, crazy.
3: No, but, uh, but dude, th- this is the issue we get into. Is people get stuck within this, like, like you said, this dogma. Where now, like, all my friends are vegans. I wear vegan clothes, and I get stuck in this lifestyle. And like we were just reading about the one guy who ate salmon and it was he ejaculated for the first time? Yeah, oh, was, was that real? Oh, god, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's a,
1: a fucking, fucking real video. deal. It's a YouTube video. The dude had a fucking YouTube channel.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That was a huge vegan, and he was like part owner of like a vegan uh a clothing company, and he was like, "I ate some eggs and salmon, and I felt fucking great and this the first time I blew a load and like I did was cow, like, did you see this no uh oh, yeah oh, like man. rob uh, Rob posted it or I think Luke sent it to me, I sent it to Rob. We have this like uh fucking sewing circle text message thing with Rob and <laughs> I and a bunch of people, and so I forwarded it to him, and he fucking posted it immediately. It's pretty funny, but like uh, um I just wonder if uh, the time we're at in this world with uh, social media and, like, what's happening right now... How polarized everything's become? But it almost has to be so polarizing to catch people's attention. Yeah. Uh, Like, you know, it has to be so fucking extreme, and it's like... like for me, I, I really just try to like, look at like, what's like the least non crazy person approach. Like, Hey, uh, I'm going to do nothing but squat heavy every single day. Like on, um, uh, what was it like small off, you know, squat cycle. And so people are like, what do you think about I'm Like, so all you're going to do is heavy back squats every single day, three times a day for this. I'm like, seems kind of extreme. Like what's the end goal? Where, where do you hope to be at the end of six months or uh, six weeks or whatever it is? Oh, my squat will get better. I'm like, well, yeah, you're fucking working it three times a day. Where do you, what about all the other lifts? Oh, they're going to come down. I'm like, then you're going to f- focus on those. Why don't you focus on everything and like build it up as a unit? Or uh, it just—it doesn't seem that fucking complicated. And it's like quick to
1: fix, quick to break, man. You know what I mean? If I were seeking advice from someone and they were like, eh, it's going to take a few months, but if you stick to it, like it's a long road," you know, yeah. like I say on my blog all the time. Uh- <laughs> That's John's fucking vlog. But um, that seems...
3: Okay, there's some probably some fucking truth here. If someone's telling me overnight... Well, well the, the two things. One, that I stole that... It's a long road from the montage scene... At the, or, sorry, at the scene at the end of First Blood when Rambo's walking on the road and the guy's uh-huh. like, It's a long road! That's well, where you, I stole it from. You were inspired, by Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I stole it from that. I, I have no problem saying I stole that. <laughs> but the other one is when I got... Um, towards the end of my nfl career when i got approached by crossfit uh i had these like i I got hit with all these questions by people that were training in crossfit and one of their biggest ones was like well how long will it take me to get strong like i want to get stronger how long and i remember being like fuck i uh i've been training every day since i was 14 and like um you know i benched 500 pounds you know squatted 600 when i was 19 i went through all these numbers and I don't even view myself as a strong person like I like I'm strong relative to what I can do and it's functional I, I mean I hate the word functional but it's useful for my position and what I needed to do and was to,
5: sports applicable yeah,
3: as opposed like, to just, yeah. just having the skill yeah, to, like, of like I was strong as it uh, in relationship to other football players in the weight room but that thank God I was able to translate that on the field because I played with guys that weren't weight room strong but yet they were strong on the field and I played with guys that were fucking strong on the field that weren't weight room strong yeah. so there was all
5: world in the weight room and yeah, just crap like, on the field. Yeah. And yeah.
3: they, you know, they couldn't play dead. And I remember this, like, uh, I watched a guy bench 600 for reps and we went out. I mean, I thought this dude was going to kill us. And I remember they brought him in as like some like mid season free agent. He's in there. He's got like 585 on for like fucking seven reps. And we're like, holy fuck. This dude's going to kill us. Snap the ball. We get in pads. He stands straight up and I hit him in the chin and the dude like tea kettled over <laughs> and they actually cut him before the practice was over. So they were like, yeah, you're going to get killed out here. We got to go. And they took him off. We never saw him again. They like, (laughs) you know, stole him in the night. And I remember thinking like, fuck, dude, that dude had the greatest 10 minutes of his life. when he was mentioned five fucking 585 for reps in the, in the weight room. And then gets cut on the field. Like, holy fuck. And, um, so when the CrossFitters approached me and they were like, wow, how long does it get strong? I'm like a lifetime. And like, they couldn't fathom that there was no way to hack strength. And, uh, that piece where like the long road is, uh, I was like, uh, strength training is this long fucking process of like, you know, failure and, you know, and finding new ways. And it's like, you know, climbing, climbing Mount Everest where you, you, get to a point and it's fucking this way and you got to go this way and you go down and you come around and you eventually get to the top of the mountain, but it's like, what's your definition? What do you need the strength for? And like that fucking one, like completely blew their fucking mind. Cause they'd been taught this increased work capacity, broad time, modal domains type shit. And like, it was a yeah, systematic approach rather than really understanding the why. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, that like part of the reason I started the talk to me, Johnny blog, and really this whole thing came out of these questions where I realized like, holy fuck, man, like my life's pursuit. People have no concept of this information. And that's where the battle of the bullshit and really the theme of this company came from. Cause there was just so much bad information out there and people were just selling people a pack of lies. I'm like, I can't get you strong in six weeks. I can get you in really good shape in six weeks. Like, think about when you went to your fighting training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd worked all your skills, but you went there to get in fight shape. It wasn't as if, like, hey, we're going to take you to the training camp to teach you the basics. You're like, fuck, if I need to, like, the, that's a lifetime pursuit. Yeah. I got to get ready for the fight, which is why I go to training camp. And then we start telling that people, you know, they all of a sudden gloss over, and you're like, oh, fuck.
5: Well, you just shattered their dreams. You like, just told them yeah. they can't get strong
3: quickly. It's, 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 it you know, takes years.
5: Yeah, it does. I think the the thing to keep in mind with anything is that if you... You know, and I get, I get a lot of questions similar to that. And one of them is, um, on the basis of, of how long it takes to get in shape or any of these things, or I just hate exercise. How do I do And it's like, well, what's sustainable is the thing you enjoy doing, right? So if you, if you enjoy powerlifting, but you hate bodybuilding, do fucking powerlifting for a while. And then every now and then toss in bodybuilding circuits for just the changeup pitch, right? But then the vast majority is something you enjoy that's sustainable. You know, And then in that practice of something you enjoy, that consistency will bleed out into all of the things and allow you to get to where you want to be. But if you don't enjoy it, like what, why the fuck are you doing it? It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how big you are, how much muscle you have, how fast you run, any of those things, unless you actually enjoy what you're doing.
2: And how much of that did you learn training for performance, where it did matter, where your livelihood was going all in in, in this? Yeah.
5: You know, fighting isn't
2: sustainable. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not. no.
5: And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because for a long time, uh, when I, when I, I retired in 2014, I fucking hated high intensity intervals. I'm like, never again. Am I getting on a fucking airdyne or an assault bike? Never again. Will I do all out rounds of cardio with, with a short rest or any of the, those kind of things? Because I, I was just oversaturated with it. And then I competed in jujitsu and totally gassed in the match and lost to a guy that I should have smoked. And I was like, okay, there, if I'm going to show up for this in competition oh, yeah. or in anything, there's a time and a place for high-intensity interval training. And so I've trickled that back in, and now I can actually enjoy it because I'll, I'll get with Aub on a skier and we'll fucking race 30 seconds all out or we'll race 200 meters, you know, those kind of things. Uh, and there's a number of guys. There's, there's plenty of dudes that are on it that will push me if I, if I want them. Like, hey, man, let's, let's have a little competition here. And I think that's healthy, but um, you know, in fighting, it's just it's so taxing, and there's so much to do. And you have a boxing coach that wants you to hit mitts, and mm-hmm. then wrestling coach that wants you to wrestle, and then you got jujitsu and the gi, and then you've got no gi, and you got sparring, and you also have to do weight training, and you also have to get you know your basic aerobic training and those kind of things. So, do easy. Uh, did did you guys do uh, road work? Or is that just a boxing thing? That was more boxing. We had quite a few guys. Uh, One of my buddies, Devin Clark, who actually trained with me and Chuck down in um, San Luis Obispo, he was really good about building the aerobic base. And that was something he's like, man, if you just run just nose breathing pace, a jog, a mile or two each day, a few days a week, like it'll really pay dividends in allowing you to push that aerobic capacity. Now we see this with you know, Louis Simmons and the West side method,
3: like it's applicable to everything. I fought it for years. I fucking thought of, uh, that the only way, uh, the, uh, I thought all the aerobic base did was fucking uh, destroy fucking muscle. I thought it was worthless. I thought if anything, if you hit the first two energy cycles, it would pay back on the third. And then it was actually uh, a whole bunch of like aerobic work that I did. And then all of a sudden I like, got stronger muscle got better i recovered faster and i remember thinking like fuck i fucked that one up
4: yeah (laughs) and like you know like there's
3: something about building a fucking having a big aerobic base and ironically i wrote a blog about it and i just got a comment from some kid that was like i did this and i didn't see fuck i I didn't see any results thanks i was like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fuck you. Like, you know, like in response. You ungrateful to, little shit. Well, I was like, okay, so you're taking free internet off the fucking internet and your butt hurt about it. Like, give me some fucking context. Just don't leave some fucking cunty fucking message or some comment. Like, I want to know the context in which you failed. Just telling me you failed doesn't fucking give me anything. It doesn't allow me to like analyze the situation. You could just be that you suck at fucking football. Yeah. You know? Or or maybe it maybe his like yeah. his
5: strength gains didn't go up because he was fucking putting in too many miles on the road. Like you can go to the extreme yeah. of, oh, I'm supposed to do this thing now, so I'm gonna go run for three hours and and think that has no consequence on your overall performance and everything else you do. Like no, like there has to be balance in all those well, things. I do. I mean
3: uh um I always had uh e- even though like I I got kind of selected for the football. I, like, as a kid, I always had this idea I wanted to be a professional boxer. And I had these dreams when I was little of, like, I want to be the great white hope. I want to be, like, the one good white dude. And uh, I remember always seeing, like, uh, like, Tyson and even before the 30 for 30 stuff, which I wish they fucking had back in the day for, like, all that Tyson stuff and, like, when he fought Holmes. And, uh, but, like, seeing, like, the videos of him, like, in the road work and, like, you know, you have to get up and do this and, like, the history of it and being, like, everybody did road work. So like that's part of the boxing culture like you exactly. have to get out there and run because your dad ran, your uncle ran, you're like that's just what what everybody does. But that idea of like I'm getting up and training when the other guy might not be and that's going to give me the mental edge. I fucking love that shit.
5: Yeah, and I like that, but also to that can be taken a little too far too. You yeah. know, like you got to listen to your body. A lot of guys get sick in mixed martial arts in camp and they show up to the fight injured because they couldn't pump the brakes when they needed to. You mm-hmm. know. So like being able to effectively listen to your body and then still push it past what you think is possible periodically, I think really helps. It's not about periodization where I'm gonna time this perfectly. With and super and compensation. Yeah, measure. and all that bullshit. It's just like, no, like for sure a couple of days a week I can push myself past what I think my limit is. And then a lot of the other days of the week can be mostly technique and restorative things you know like unlocking the psoas doing breath work and then focusing on technique and getting better while allowing my body to recover i think uh, it was charlie francis that said if you're not three percent better every time you you get out to compete whether that's strength training or uh or sprint work or any of that stuff this is ben johnson's coach like you yeah. have no business doing it if you're not making a gain each time you go out to compete then
3: you're overdoing it you know charlie got me an ems no shit man so when I ruptured my patellar tendon, he was uh, through Mauro De Pasquale to Charles Palquin to uh, Charlie Francis is how I got into the EMS after I rupture my patellar tendon in 99. And the EMS devices that I use is what uh, basically allowed my quad to fire, which taught it how to fire and allowed me to go from having this mid-patella rupture as a rookie in the NFL to coming back and starting 16 games the next year. Wow. And uh, yeah, so Charlie was always a huge influence and this huge influence on our power athlete program. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is, is that uh, his name got fucking, you know, I mean, everybody was on drugs. Ben Johnson just happened to be the one, even though, you know, uh, who was it? Um, Carl Lewis. Yeah. Carl Lewis tested positive as well. Yeah. They just sweep that in on the rug. Oh yeah. They swept that, but yet they fucking crucified Ben Johnson who, what did he run? Like nine, eight something. And it's funny cause Usain Bolt and everybody's faster than he was now, yeah. you know, which yeah. makes you wonder. But Charlie fucking genetics change quickly. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> right. But uh, of course they have, uh, you know, Charlie since passed away. But like his information where either you're running as fast as you can within, you know, 92 percent, you're either running faster, or you're doing recovery. The fucking no man's land is how you get slow, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the no man's land, if you look at percentages, is where the majority of strength is built. You know, so Charlie was, you're either running faster than 92% or you're 75% below. But if you look at like 91 to like 76%, that's the majority of strength work is built in that. So then you realize that sprinting and speed isn't based, like strength isn't the limiting factor for speed. Mm. And I remember Charlie's like observation and like this information was like so fucking impactful where you're like, holy shit, man, this guy's in a completely different direction than every other fucking traditional strength coach and speed coach. So now his stuff is... Is legendary, and I'm so sad that like it got tainted with that bullshit. Yeah, and uh, he had another great quote. He said, "The playing field."
5: The playing field is level. It's just not the playing field you think it is. <laughs> yeah.
4: That's, that's <laughs> like, good one. Yeah. yeah,
5: man. That's it. That's Tour de France. Like Lance Armstrong, still by far yeah. the greatest fucking yeah. cyclist of all time.
3: By and, far. And, and you know what? His ability, uh, like uh, after he tested positive and all that bullshit, they tried to go back and give his fucking tours to people. And they found like... Everybody was either dead or tested positive, and it was like the 32nd dude was the only guy that they had. They just didn't give him to anybody. And it's like, okay, if everybody was on the drugs, you'd crucify this motherfucker. He mm-hmm. was riding those dudes through the fucking ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. And, uh, it's and sad. dude, I loved it. I used to love to watch the tours. I mean, come July before we go to training camp, the tour was early, always on around 4th of July. And I remember watching it and being like, this motherfucker. And he'd always be like kind of hanging back. And he's like, oh, we're going to get to the mountains. And then I'm going to ride him through the fucking earth. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I mean, probably the most dominant athlete I've ever seen in fucking sports. And who cares if he was on the drugs? Yeah. Everybody was on him. It's a level playing
5: field. Literally, it's like saying, "Dorian Yates, we know you're on testosterone and other steroids. So we're going to give it to number two. And it's like,
3: he uh, is my favorite bodybuilder. He's 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 the best. to, to, To this day. Nobody has been more physically impressive than Pedorian Yates, mm-hmm. like yeah. the muscle thickness, dude. I, I love him. Did you hear him on Rogan's? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, you got to! It's so cool, man. He's in ayahuasca and DMT oh, yeah. and yoga. So I geeked out on that because I was like, Dorian Yates. Man. No, he uh, uh, he um, he was on. Like there was some deal in, in the UK. London like, Real with yeah, Brian London, Rose. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what really put him on the map. So I, I watched that and I was like, holy shit. Because I, I remember, these guys have heard me tell it a million times, that like Dorian Yates' training program in Flex Magazine, when I was like started lifting weights, was like our Holy Grail I had it like ripped out and we had it all bound up. And like, oh, it's his back routine and this. And that's it's so stupid. We all got hurt. <laughs> you know, like I can get this big if I just drink protein, right? And, uh, but yeah, man, he uh, fucking dude. I remember we had his uh, blood and guts. Um, training video mm-hmm. on the black and white one. Yeah. yeah. From that fucking dungeon in like, uh, it was like, I think like Birmingham, fucking UK uh-huh. or something. Some shit hole out Some, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, like, it's him down like in this fucking dingy, like, uh, it looks like a fucking rape scene. Like the whole <laughs> video, it's all grainy. And he's like doing like bent rows with like 585 for like sets of 10. And then, you know, and he was kind of that Mike Metzer one set to failure. The problem is, is when we watched it, we were like, oh, he did like 50 sets leading up to it. He's just counting his top fucking set. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, dude, there was so much shit, and I just remember seeing that and being like, he's like bleeding out of his nose. It's just like, oh my god, dude, this guy's a fucking monster.
5: Yeah. He's the best. He was carved from a different, different piece of cloth. You know, it is cool. To, he gets into his background on uh, on Rogan's, and he talks quite a bit. I'm sure he does this on uh, London Real. I haven't listened to that one in years, but yeah talks about was he on recently or was it a while ago i think it was last year okay but um yeah he's actually there's a place we're going to do ayahuasca later this year uh sultara it's in uh, costa rica Mm -hmm. and he's hosting his second annual uh entering the shadow retreat with dorian yates where
3: people can actually pay and go to do ayahuasca with dorian yates I'm like that would (laughs) that would be a fucking pretty cool experience i would rather i mean more than that i would like to just have a couple training sessions with them.
4: Oh
5: yeah.
3: And be like, yo yeah, man, like let's just go bang some weights. Like just to say that I lifted weights with you would be fucking you know, you can train mm-hmm. me, you can lift weights. I don't give a fuck. Let's just go lift some weights. Yeah. Even if we gotta make the weights out and fucking you know you wanna do some ayahuasca, I'll just go get some cinder blocks. Well fucking you can coach me up. <laughs> you know? While he's on ayahuasca. Yeah, while he's on ayahuasca. <laughs> uh what um it's uh, it, it seems that like you know the this uh, medicinal uh, what did you call it um, plant medicines. Yeah, plant medicines. It's a nice, cute term for it. It yeah. is. I mean, uh, psychedelic uh, drugs is okay too. <laughs> you know? Give us a little background. I mean, uh, you know, there's obviously synthetics and then naturals. Yeah, you know? I mean, honestly, the more I've gotten into it,
5: the more I realize that, that uh, they they all work. You know, like it just it's it's about respect and reverence for whatever that medicine is. Um, might be LSD or acid, you know, like, and and realizing too, like, we have this idea in the West that we're separate from nature or better than, or, you know, we create plastics, and there's certainly things that we create that are bad, uh, bad for the environment, bad for our bodies. But at the same time, we are, we're inescapably a part of nature. We're a part of our environment. So anything we create is in fucking nature. You know, it might be bad for the environment, but there's things that we create. So LSD being a synthetic I think they found, um, talked about this in Stealing Fire with Jamie Wheel and Steve Kotler, that there might have been uh, in the Illyrian Mysteries in ancient Greece, a concoction that had uh, some type of Fungus ergot, though it create
3: something very similar to LSD. So similarly, there are there, it, it can be found in nature. You well, wasn't the um, uh, like the Oracle of Delphi? Wasn't like the gases that escaped through the ground when they were going and basically huff these gases and then go into the vision quest? And I, so I was a classics major at Berkeley, which I saw all of that shit at Berkeley. Like uh, I remember. Um, Fucking people, like, uh, shrooming, like, in mm-hmm. these big collectives, like, on, like, these, like, on the lawns. And, like, what are they doing? And, like, oh, they ate all these shrooms. they out there fucking, I don't know, doing weird Geashing shit. Out. Yeah, and, and then I remember a bunch of kids that I know, or a bunch of guys I knew went out to some, like, Indian deal and did peyote and some... Okay. Uh, um, like sweat lodge on the reservation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they like it was like 150 degrees in this fucking sweat lodge And they had some fucking epic adventure. Yeah,
5: that's how I got started. I had a boxing coach who's Native American He'd take me out at the reservation. We would do typically just the sweat lodge before and after every fight camp and then um Start, you know, I just asked him, you know, like when are we gonna use la medicina? And he busted up laughing. He's like, I've just been waiting for you to ask and then we started doing mushroom sweats um, never, I haven't had the chance to work with peyote, wachuma, or San Pedro cactus. We just got to do last year out in Peru. Similar uh, mescaline base, but
3: you know, all these things
5: are tools. That's well, it. Or you could drink mescal
3: and have some weird shit happen too.
5: Yeah, I'm just saying though, yeah. it is it is a tool, and there's a right way and a wrong way to do anything. And I think if you have this idea, if you know what the full gamut of experience is, like if I'm in a max effort squat, I should know there is a potential to get hurt there. Right. And I should have spotters and people that are going to help me out and coach me through that lift and have a wealth of experience leading up to it. So if I'm going to go through something that can either be incredibly positive or fuck me up for a really long time, I should have some guidance. It shouldn't just be all willy nilly, <laughs> like, oh man, I, you know, I, yeah, right it's Saturday night. Yeah, Let's yeah, fucking
3: rock and roll. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, how big, like, um, I mean, obviously the environment is, is a big like thing. Like I remember, uh, um, there was, I remember in college, like this dude fucking flipped out and I guess he had done a bunch of drugs by himself and they were like, ah, you don't ever want to do that shit by yourself. Like you need, I guess, like you'd say spotters. Yeah. And, uh, I just wonder like the potential for shit to go downhill real fast is probably present in all of that stuff. And so is it the fact that like, if you have people around you that are are skilled in this, they can probably steer you clear of the fucking pitfalls.
2: Yeah.
5: And there, you know, I've spoken about this a lot, that there are white belts to black belts in the community leading ceremonies. I mean, there's, there's people that have taken ayahuasca once and they're like, I'm going to fucking order this online and put my friends through ceremonies. And it's, that ain't the way to do it. No, you know, like, sounds like a bad time. But there are shamans in the Amazon that start at fucking five years old working with tobacco and different sacred plants. And by the time they're 10, they've been initiated with ayahuasca. And they've worked with that their entire fucking lives. Like, that is their family lineage. Their, their mom was a shaman. Their grandma was a shaman. Or their father and their grandfather. You know, like, it goes back generations. And they have... Uh, an aptitude that's just not, it's not really seen stateside. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't have, like, if you're doing ayahuasca stateside, Mm -hmm. there could be, you know, some some good coaching and some good, you know, navigation there. But, you know, when you have somebody that's a legit black belt in that space, they can dig you out of holes. They can help you through the processing of really hard shit. You know, like if you were raped or molested as a child, odds of that coming up again, they're pretty pretty high. Yeah, Yeah. they're pretty fucking high.
3: Well, I I mean... (sighs) Is it a good idea to fucking pick the scab on these things? Like, uh, I always wonder, like... Um, it is if you're, if you're guided right. So, yeah. I mean, if you, again, if you're going to do this on
5: your own and you spend six hours being raped again, you might not come out of that with a fresh set of eyes and a different perspective on it. But if you have the right navigation and guidance, it will allow you to see it from other angles. And there is a lot of healing that takes place there. And a lot of people, when this is done properly, say it's like 20 years of therapy in a single night. Oh, wow so and that's been in my experience for sure and i've certainly had purple belts guiding me all the way up to legit black belts and i know the difference but um you know thankfully i'm in a place now where i could do a heroic dose of mushrooms by myself and be completely fine because i've done a lot of the work and i know how to work with the plants um that said a lot of people get fucked up you know a lot of people do that you know improperly and it's important to have a good space where you you know somebody that's gone there and has talked about it and said like these guys are awesome and I've heard that about Sultara it'll be my first time there but you know if Dorian
3: Yates is going there and and a number of other people who have a wealth of experience dude just what I know about him and like hearing him on that uh, uh London deal and like just having followed him all these years and like watch that thing like He's got some fucking darkness, man. Like that dude to be able yeah. to torture himself. I mean, dude, he like ruptured his bicep and still won the Olympia. And like they were, he was talking about like the shit he did to, to heal it. I mean, it's just like that level of, uh, extreme, like people will never know that le- like few people in the world will ever know like the extreme of like not only the drugs, but the training, uh, the diet, like the lifestyle of that. I mean, to basically stand up there and be visually judged in your underwear by other fucking like, it's such a weird fucking deal. But, like, you know, uh, his whole deal was like, I wanted to fucking torture myself. What was the fucking worst? What was the worst I could do and come out the other side? Whereas I think, like, bodybuilding's always been real strange for me because I'm like, you guys don't really compete. Like, there's, you know, it's not like I'm going in, I'm squaring off against you, and somebody's going to get fucking knocked yeah. out. It's like, it, it, it was weird. I remember we, years ago, we went to the Mr. Olympia, and I remember, like, uh, seeing those guys up there and being like, this is it, right? They're just posing, and people are this. Like it, it was just a fucking weird existence as being, you know. Like when I go out and play football, there's a clear winner and loser. Yeah. You know, when you go out in a fight, you know who wins. You know who taps to this, and like this is so arbitrary. Yet these guys are so extreme in what they're doing. So I mean, I, I appreciated the dedication and the idea of like the dedication to a singular task. But I just thought it was so fucking strange.
5: Yeah, it is a odd thing. I, I you know I had a buddy bodybuilder that I grew up with. I was a close friend. We played football, and he got into bodybuilding. One Mr. San Jose didn't... I mean, I think he got his pro card, but I remember coming back uh, home after one of my fights, and he was like, you know, I got into bodybuilding because I wanted people to think I was tough. I wanted to have this muscle to kind of build myself up. And I'm not saying this is the case for all bodybuilders, but it was like a, a means of getting respect from other men and to not be picked on or fucked with. And he's like, you... You're actually doing the very thing. Like this wasn't around when we were kids. So, but you're doing the thing that I should have done. You're doing the thing that would have given me like a, a much realer sense of safety around, you know, people that might take your head off, that kind of shit. So, I think I think we'll see, and we see this now with CrossFit. Like, there's just there's there's many more things you can get into with strength and conditioning. There's many more things you can get into with the rise of different martial arts, especially you know, seeing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu take off the way that it has where you, it doesn't matter if you're a kid or a fucking 80-year-old man, if you're on the mat and you're rolling, you're gonna get tested every single time you're out there. Whereas there's a lot of traditional martial arts like point taekwondo and shit like that, where you could think you're fucking all world, and you, if you get it's, in a real fight, nah, you're done.
3: Yeah. But I mean, uh, that that was a lot of the martial arts. I remember uh, like seeing like um, I mean years ago going to some like uh, expo and like seeing all these different like wun ch- or uh, uh, wing chun, where the dudes are fighting against the wooden things and like all these different uh, um, different disciplines, which were cartwheels in the air super and, fucking epic yeah. to watch but like zero fucking practicality because like all of a sudden they get out there and the dude who's like a fucking movie thai fighter fucking kicks them once and they just shatter they're done like we're like done. one fucking leg kick and every <laughs> one of those dudes fucking dies and you realize that like the dude that's been fucking you know uh junk on on Dam kicking the you know the snap kicking a tree yeah the, yeah for the last fucking 20 years of his life and has been rolling baseball bats on his shins uh that guy kicks you and fucking shatters your femur you're not fighting very much you know, regardless of how great you are on the, uh, wooden fucking doll that you're fighting against. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was a big thing for us. I mean, I remember, um, when we got into boxing stuff, I actually trained with this dude named Nono Le Boncier, uh, who, uh, ended up getting brought in by the Gracie's when they were back down in Torrance. Uh, there, the original Gracie studio was one street over from my dad's law office. Oh wow! And so we went over and we'd go and, uh, Nono took us down there. We'd go down on Saturdays and fuck around with those guys. And uh, it was pretty epic to see that. And that was right, like, right as the first UFC was coming out. And then they put out all those videos, and they had the open challenge, and dudes used to walk in off the street, like, I'll fucking go. And they would fucking just whoop everybody's fucking ass. And they put out all those videos, and then all of a sudden people started realizing that there was this whole fucking skill to it. And mm-hmm. it was pretty epic to see that whole deal. That's awesome. Be there right at the infancy. Oh, yeah. And I remember the old man. I fucking what was his name? Uh, Helio? Yeah, like the, like the real old man. Uh, yeah like and then there was like uh hickson and then obviously horse and then like the dad and i remember the dad was there and the dad was like so agile it was unreal he would like demo shit and, like tumble and roll and like the dad was so agile i was like fucking like he's like a young dude with makeup on you know where they punk people on <laughs> it was unreal and uh yeah it was it, it was it, it was super cool to see that years later and then to see how it's kind of grown and then realize that even in the ufc um I kind of always, and I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, with the UFC, I kind of always am keeping like a mental status of like uh, who's fighting and what their background is, and I'm always interested in like the boxer and who's the guy that wrestled and like where they kind of come from. And it mm-hmm. seems like the guys that have some form of gnarly wrestling background always seem to be the guys that are most successful in the UFC.
5: Yeah, and it's not all of them across the board. We saw that with like really high level jiu-jitsu guys that got into fighting in Pride and got stomped out. You know, yeah. like it's it's different when you're getting hit, but. If you have that background piece wrestling, you you determine where the fight goes. So you have a great jujitsu guy, they're going to take you down. You're a fucking wrestler. You have a great striker, you can take that guy down and take him out of his element, right? So it gives you it gives you really the the strategic fucking ability to make the fight go wherever you want it. Now, if you can learn something else, having that in your back pocket, like Daniel Cormier or yeah. John Jones, like yeah. they've become beautiful strikers. Because they didn't have to worry about that element, you know, like they just needed to keep their wrestling up at that level and continue to learn in different areas. And, and, you know, Cormier's got a few uh, rear naked choke submissions. John Jones has some fucking beautiful submissions on people. What's his deal?
3: ah that's a great question i, know, I mean uh
5: <laughs> i'm not a fan of him as a person I but i will
3: say he is the greatest uh, of all time there's no doubt uh, i mind. thought his brothers uh I, I know or i don't know his one brother but uh i've watched him and i he, my coach used to one of my offensive line coach coach him I, I always thought he was dog shit i didn't think he was a fucking player um that's up to me personally but uh i don't I, what the fuck <laughs> like, I like. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of any of the shit he said, but like the amount of drug shit, I'm like, yo, man. Like, yeah. I mean, one time I can get it. Like, okay, you fucked up, whatever. But like this fucking history of this and yet they keep letting him come back in i'm kind of surprised
5: well i'm not surprised because it's it is you know they've been the rules for people they like this that's just the fucking way it is you know just no different than carl lewis you know nbc ran the olympics and And the nfl does the same shit
3: yeah so i mean do i like ray rice didn't get in trouble until they fucking showed that video of him punching a girl in the elevator yeah so they they had already fucking disciplined him everything was fine and then the video came out and they were like ah fuck he fucking really hit that broad yeah. I don't know if you remember seeing it. Yeah, I, remember, I, mean, but watch, he, I watched it many times. Uh, dude, he hit her and I was like, oh God, like full fucking strike punch. That's like uh-huh. 10 years of somebody fucking on your ass, you know? Like, oh my God. But yeah, I mean, it's. Do it you just, show
5: that video to your daughters? i uh, yelling at them. <laughs> uh, <you, laughs> That's 10 years. You know opinion. what? I work on
3: my little girls. Uh, so, um, and this is terrible, but I, I took them at like pretty young, like five years old to jujitsu. And the one thing I didn't like is, uh, is how lazy it was. Mm. so I took him it's like little kids class and uh, when we started in martial arts at six it was like there was a, this Japanese dude and he used to beat us with fucking swords and a bunch of crazy shit and it was high motor for like 90 minutes mm. so we went to the jiu-jitsu deal it was real lazy like it was a lot of laying around I mean it just was really slow uh, and, I, and I, I know they're little but what I was hoping for was like more movement yeah within. burn the energy teach them basic yeah. body body mechanics yeah. I think great For kids who just did programs, you could, it's the same thing, white and black belt trainers, you know? Uh, Yeah, it it just, I I have to find something better for them. I I mean, even if it was something more traditional where they got in and they learned katas and they learned how to move in space and, like, they did something more traditional, I just went and I, you know, having done that, uh, you know, been, like, my whole life, I was like, this is really fucking lazy like wrestling. That's the fucking key. It get was, and yeah. And it was just real lazy. And like, uh, the one thing I was hoping for, and at least with them, like, uh, as they get older, I think, uh, girls need to learn to defend themselves. Like they, I tell them all the time, like you never be victims. You guys will never be fucking victims in life. And as long as there's two of you around, like you will rat pack fucking people. And like, uh, so that whole thing, it just, I got to find a better class for them. I got to find something cause I want them to have a better experience, but it just was really fucking lazy. And they were like, how do you feel? I'm like, ah, it's too much standing around. It's too much laying around. Like, like it's, it's not high motor enough. I need you guys to fucking battle. Yeah. And so I got to find that.
1: There was that yeah. video of the, was it a high school chick or junior high? Man, it was maybe two or three years ago. But yeah, she, ch- she chokes that dude out yeah, in like, a triangle. Yeah, dude. And j- like, totally worked over that fucking dude. And I'm like, that's. Well, yeah, no. This, she, got, th- she got
3: in trouble for that. Or Well, I, uh, yeah. she did, like, uh, I don't know if you saw it. It was, on, it was on a Facebook, YouTube thing. But this girl, like, the guy kind of, like, pushes her. And, like, oh, you think you're a badass? And I guess she was like a jiu jitsu fighter, or like, I don't even, I think jiu jitsu, not a judo player. But uh, she fucking basically shoots him, takes him down, and gets him in like a fucking triangle and chokes his fucking ass out, like in quick form. And uh, it was good. And like, awesome. Yeah. And great at school. And she ended up getting in trouble. But like, the dude totally pushes her. He's like, oh, you think you're fucking tough? You think you trained? Totally totally awesome, dude. Totally warranted. And uh, as a father of daughters, I'm like, good. I fucking, believe me, if I get that phone call, I will be much happier than like, uh, some guy punched your daughter or she got attacked yeah, or something. Yeah. If I got to come bail you out cause you'd fucking, you know, got some dude in a triangle and choked him out. I'll show <laughs> up and be like, come on, let's go get ice cream. Yeah. Daddy's not upset about this yeah. one. We'll find a new fucking yeah, school. This happened. Yeah.
5: Yeah. It's funny. I was arguing with somebody, uh, you know, kids, kids when they're young they have trouble sharing. And that's one of the things you teach. But I remember my nephew, um, you know, taking shit from my son constantly. And then, uh, my son just lost it one day and punched him in the face and, and my nephew looks at me and he just starts crying and I, and I was the only parent watching him, and I'm like, hit him back. That's what happens. You've been taking shit from him nonstop. I keep, I've been talking to you nonstop about taking stuff you don't take, you don't steal, you know? And it's like, that's maybe not, maybe that's
3: more of an old school mentality. <laughs> no, that's but, uh that's exactly but, how I deal with but shit. Fuck. Is that going
5: to happen when they're older? for damn sure if somebody's yeah. taking my shit every day i'm gonna beat your ass and i did it growing up like yeah. it, that happens and if it doesn't happen on school grounds because there's zero tolerance it'll fucking happen at recess it'll happen off school
3: grounds like it people have to pay up you know yeah but but we, we run into goes. this all the time where you're like you never got punched in the face as a kid yep like I, and, and yep. I've, I've run into i mean like what is it the age-old fight club where it's like man if like uh you know, you get to in your twenties and you've never actually ever been punched in the face. Like, what do you really know about yourself? And I mean, shit like, I mean, I I can remember the first time I got fucking punched and I was probably like two years old. It was probably my brother smacking me. But like, I remember the first time when I got uh, into a situation, even in like the dojo and got fucking smashed. I was like, well, that felt exactly like I knew it would. And I'm not going to break, you know? And then you realize like, uh, I'll be fine. I can get up and keep doing this stuff. And like that realization, but I always think that it was better to learn that in that environment than in like a 20 year old at a fucking bar or 21 year old who gets hit with a fucking bottle or gets hit with a big punch and knocks yeah. out, you know? So,
4: yeah, yeah.
5: Pick it, choose it, you know, choose it. I think that's something that, that you see all these books out now and they're, and they're really hard to read for me and probably for you, but like, you know, the obstacle is the way and shit like that. And it's like, I think that's it's. They're good books for people who don't
3: gravitate towards doing the thing that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, like how you teach that to somebody. Well, that's like, that's become. I mean, uh, the Coddling of the American Mind book um, w- w- laid it out perfectly. It's like basically the iGen generation, where like you know the world is at your fingertips, and that you know no longer is it about uh, you know striving and and failure and this idea of like regoing that you have to create these environments of safety. That safety is now. The biggest concern for most of the kids within this generation. And they have to feel safe because if they feel they don't feel safe, then that's lack of safety or the words that put you in a, in a lack of safe zone, create stress. And then you translate stress can damage me. So now your words and these environments are damaging to me cause they're stressful. So now they're evil and they're bad and now I have to like search for safety.
5: Yeah. That, that's Jordan Peterson talks yeah. quite a bit about that. You know, like you get, you are creating these fucking bubbles. You know, in, in even at university where it's it's not it's not applicable to the real world. There is competition. You have kids now playing in sports teams that are no longer keeping score. The kids are keeping score because they give a shit. But the parents aren't letting them keep score because it's not right for Johnny to fucking, lose a game. This is
3: the problem. And, and I, I fucking again, hate it that people are like, oh, kids have changed. I'm like, motherfuckers, kids ain't changed. Kids will always be kids. Like, I don't care. Like, I liked ice cream the same way my kids like ice cream. Like, I was like, you guys want to get ice cream? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, no, we're not getting it today. <laughs> like, I fuck with them nonstop. <laughs> I'm like, maybe this weekend we'll get some ice cream. So then today they're like, we're going to get ice cream? I'm like, uh, fuck, it's the same fucking thing. So, like, kids haven't changed. It's the fucking parents that changed. And, uh, like, that's a huge fucking thing where I'm like, why... Like you weren't raised like this like um why would you like it it just blows my mind and i don't understand like the people that are like my age that are raising kids and i talk to them i'm like where did these ideas come from like this isn't how we were raised this isn't at, at all how you should raise these beings and there's this idea that like you know we're more educated i'm like dude if anything it needs to be more basic
5: yeah well i think the issue that we run into and we see this in politics is just that you you have no idea like it in concept it looks really good and then when you put it into practice there's all sorts of ramifications for that, right? Like even like we were talking about the water tax in California and the the gas tax, like you start that, it's not gonna go away, you know? And like you might have like, oh, this will help with this and this and that, but it's not fixing the issue of spending incorrectly in the first place. That's why that government with a giant GDP is still in debt. Right. So you look at or even something like like Bernie Sanders coming along. You're like, yeah, that would be great. Let's take some fucking money from these one percenters and fucking disperse it. And then you're like, that shit doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. It doesn't no. work. So I think like in practice, it's always different, you know, and, and there might be the best intentions with parents that want to look out for the kids and make sure they have it better. You know, that's the goal of any parent is to make sure your children have it better than you did. True. You know, but, but, but there, you can't, you can't just skip to the end. You know, well, it's, I, it is the journey that makes someone. So if you're just trying to give them like kids that turn out fucked up, a lot of times they're just somebody that inherited a shit ton of money from their parents. Well, I mean, right? two,
3: two things. I remember my mom told me you never want to be a rich man's son, like learn to make your own fucking money make your own way in this world. Like if you get, if it gets handed to you, um, and the irony of this is, uh, my dad, my, my grandfather was super successful. And, uh, my dad, my mom's brothers were rich men's son. And when my grandfather passed away, they fucking ran it all (laughs) into the ground and, uh, you know, had this massive fucking, what should be a, a, a global fucking company ran into the ground in a number of years. And I remember, so the, the age old don't be a rich man's son was a big one, but the other one was like, um, I think years ago there was this idea that like there was a ton of hardship. And, uh, you know, I got to, you know, fucking ride my horse to plow my field. So there was this idea I want to make for a better life and I don't want it to be as hard on my kid. But we got to this point where shit is so easy now Mm -hmm. that like our not making it hard is fucking basically just taking away shit and like allowing them not to do stuff. The lawnmower parent. Mowing yeah. down obstacles yeah. in front of your child. Yeah, and, and instead of like, you know, now we're in this situation, and Luke made a great point to me. He's like, is it that people just have too, like, not enough to worry about? Like, think about the guy who, what was it, like, had to walk three to five miles each day to get clean water. Like, are they really upset about what's happening on the Internet? No, they have to walk fucking 10 miles a day for clean water. Like, their basic functioning of, like, you know. That, that's meditation time, John.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, it, it is, man. I, I don't think we do any, no, any service gets, to our kids by making shit easy on them. And we, we take shit for granted for sure,
5: you know. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that, especially when it's handed to us. It's, it's the same. It's very similar in health and wellness, right? Like, we have the ability to eat carbohydrates year-round whereas in the past without refrigeration without shipping containers bringing in fucking bananas from Panama there was periods of the year where we went without that stuff huh. there was periods of the year where we went without food altogether you know where you had to fast not by choice not because it's Ramadan yeah, it's just called being something hungry something else yeah like yeah it's just or not bad accessible right so Feast and famine, all these practices, and that's how we evolved to be here. So if we can incorporate some of that, it goes a long way. But I think that's really important, too, is to know, like, let me feel what it's like to go without food for a day. It doesn't have to be a seven-day water fast, but at least fucking try a 24-hour fast. Try a couple months out of the year with less carbohydrates. Try try these things and then see how the body responds, and it usually pays off. But that's having that mindset of, I'm going to head into this thing that's a little bit more difficult and challenging and know that, that the why behind it and when I come out on the other side there's usually bigger payoff.
1: But it's so much easier to not do that.
5: Yes, correct. <laughs> so much
1: easier <laughs> to wake
5: up with a bagel and fucking
3: yeah, have a sandwich smear and and maybe yeah. some
5: scrambies on
3: there I mean,
1: and fucking watching it really like day. the
3: fucking the road less traveled. Mm-hmm. I mean that's where I always think like what's the easy road I'm going to yeah, take? Yeah. I'm going to take the one that was less traveled. Like, it just seems like, um, yeah. I mean, like, what's the easy road? And then let's just fucking not go that one. But, I mean, bagels are fucking delicious. But, I mean, bagels. I'll tell you what, I have bagel every five years. That's my, that's my cycle. <laughs> that's what's your bagel your diet? John, what's your Oreo cycle? Uh, well, my, I was telling these guys today, right? This is hilarious. Uh, my wife, uh, like, my kids are, are gluten free. That's like their mm-hmm. big deal because, uh, unfortunately, if they get gluten bombed, it's fucking ugly. Mm -hmm. so uh, people are like, oh, how do you, I'm like, because dude, Uh, they'll be like, oh it smells awful in there, I'm like, you guys are the stinkiest fucking kids, (laughs) so like I just base it off of like, what did you eat, and so that's how we kind of got to this gluten free, my wife bought these like gluten free, hippie uh, non GMO, like the most unfun Oreo looking things ever. And I was like, let me try one of these. And I had them, they were fucking delicious. <laughs> and then the girls were like, see, I'm like, ah, I'm in these fun. And then I told them, I was like, you know, that these are based off of these Oreos. And I told them about Oreos. I'm like, back in the day, they were made with sugar and lard. Remember? then they like went to trans cause that mm-hmm. was helpful. But like the original ones uh, were great. straight up sugar Damn. and lard and chocolate cookies. And I was telling them about it and they were like, Oh, those sound delicious. And I was like, let's call grandma. So I called my mom. I was like, mom, how good are those oreos she's like oh they're the best they you know she like went through this whole thing so my daughters are like can we one day find trying to you know try to find real oreos i'm like they don't exist yeah. That is so but, sad. Uh, we'll the, try these hippie Oreos. They're a relic. And, but they're, they're still pretty good, though. I Like I told these guys, I'm like, Have you had, like i got to bring you these hippie Oreos. I'm, I'm sure they don't go stale, so we can find some somewhere. Probably on eBay. be yeah. like original Oreos. <laughs> it's still in the package. Five
4: grand for one. Yeah.
3: Oh, for dude. One and, uh, and like my, my daughters are good. They're like, can I get one? And I was laughing because uh, my brother and I would be like, uh, whole I'm going to take this whole fucking sleep. Oh, right yeah. Just be so sick. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, I love all these fucking Oreos. man. Like that was the best part about being a kid, you know, you're like I just ate fucking 10 Oreos, nothing They're, matters. Girl Scout cookies still like Yeah, yeah Samoa is exactly
5: what I was thinking about. They did, just they just came up some gluten gluten-free cookies for Girl Scouts, but uh thin So mints. hang on, you wow, you're, you're a Samoa guy? guy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that was me. Too. I'm a Thin yeah. Mint. Okay. I, uh, thin Mints were like my I quest. like those as a change yeah. of pitch. I, thin Mints I could actually do one sleeve, but if yeah. I have a box
1: of you just Samoas, like
2: Samoas, I'm like, putting like flip them in your mouth. <laughs> freeze them freeze them is a go to yeah movie. that is a good one
1: yep mm-hmm. yeah so you're you're going fucking thin mint guy yeah thin S- mint I'm Samoa with a backup of the tag along and then wouldn't mind you know slumming it with a thin mint every now and then
3: so, my, so it uh, would be a I sleeve like 100% yeah. when I played in Kansas City my next door neighbor uh, the, the little girl uh, next door came over and she was like oh we're selling Girl Scout cookies and I was like awesome i'm like uh what like how you doing she's like i've only sold like you know like two hundred dollars worth i'm like what's uh like what's the goal and she's like well if i can sell x amount of dollars we get to go on this trip and we go through this whole thing and i was like uh, I'll take a yeah. thousand dollars. You'll come. You have come right? to the and, right uh, place. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'll take a thousand bucks worth. And she was like, Really? And then her like, mom I'm coming here every year. Hell yeah! So, so I, I like write it up, and like twenty minutes later, I hear this like knock, and it's her mom, and she's like, Hey, uh, she just came home. She's supposed to go to the neighborhood, but she literally just came to your house and came home. And it says that you're going to buy a thousand dollars. I'm like, Yeah. And her mom was like. Are you sure? I was like, "Yeah, here it is." And I, I, was like, "You want a check?" So I fucking wrote her a check. And uh, I didn't realize what a thousand dollars of Girl Scout cookies looks Back like. Then uh, I like she she showed up with like fourteen fucking boxes of like these huge fucking like, bullets, of, like palettes. crates, like crates. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit, this is a lot of cookies." So I just started giving them away. Like I take them to work and just put them in people's lockers. I'd hide them places. Be like, "Hey, you like people come over?" I'm like, "Here's some Girl Scout cookies." I gave them away I to everybody. It. And, um, the next year she was like, I got you next year. I'm like, I'm in, but this year I'll just give you the money. Don't deliver the fucking
2: cookies. <laughs> and she's like, we can't do it. We have to deliver them. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Okay. Bring them right, back. About- I'm curious the selling now. Cause you can't go neighborhood door to door. Like Boy Scout selling That's that cord
5: set out They're They're always set up outside of like a yeah.
2: Safeway or some shit like that.
3: You know, probably the best one I ever saw was, uh, obviously, uh, we were at this place where girls dance for money, and the girls An establishment. Uh, establishment. A ballet. Um, this is why I was in the NFL, so mind you, <laughs> we tended to hang out these places. But one of the, uh, you know, one of the ladies there had uh, obviously had some a daughter, which you know sometimes girls at dance do, and uh, obviously had to smell, sell some cookies. So they were dressed up like Girl Scouts. Get the fuck out of here. at the strip club with the table selling Girl Scout cookies. Get the fuck out of here. So you dropped another G. Uh, I, think <laughs> <laughs> I think if I was lucky, I only spent oh, a <laughs> thousand. You hit the oh, ATM real yeah, quick. <laughs> All I know is we had a bunch of drinks, and the only thing better than drinks and Thin Mints is drinks with Thin Mints with girls to take their clothes off. <laughs> thin, and mints, w- thin Mints with a view. Uh, it was the best. And I mean, at, at that point, you're like, it's for charity. We're here yeah. for charity <laughs> and uh, we're helping I'm people supporting her family right now. <laughs> it was great. I mean, uh, like, I don't even know if they had kids. I just know that the story they told us, I'm like, I love the outfits. The fact that y'all went and got like stripper Girl Scout outfits. Uh, but now I realize it was probably just Halloween because, you know, every yeah. girl's a stripper on Halloween, right? And they're making, you know, like five bucks on the dollar sewing Girl Scout cookies. Now, this was in Tampa, Florida, which I don't know if you guys know. It is probably like th- the greatest strip club city in the universe is Really?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think at Roland James Stadium. Yeah. Uh, Mons Venus. Yeah. Tampa Bay Bucks Stadium just it's, down it's, that
3: road. It's called is, Mons Venus. And then there's also like Space Odyssey
2: 2000. Yeah. yeah. Mons Venus dealers- is pretty famous. Car okay. dealerships on one side and then uh dancing establishments on the other i remember the like whole row yeah like wycliffe's perfect
3: gentleman even gave it a shout out but I, I knew i was in the fucking in the club when uh, wycliffe's perfect gentleman came out and he gave shout out to all the strip clubs and i had been to every one of them he's like mom's <laughs> i'm like i've been to that one too <laughs> scores we're like yeah, i've been there too ah <sighs> the life Those of an nfl player yeah now i'm a dad of three mm-hmm. yeah
5: so what's up what's next for you man shit let's see Uh, right now we are in the first quarter of fit for service with Aubrey so fit for Service is like a year-long mastermind program where we take people through a different theme each quarter physical mental emotional and spiritual and uh, have meetups at the end of each and that's been it's been a brand new thing for us this year but it's been really successful and awesome so just working through that uh, I do Instagram lives on that every week with the group and grind out questions and, and fun stuff my wife and I are going out to uh, Costa Rica to do the ayahuasca retreat in Soltara, I think, in, at the end of May. So that'll be really powerful. It's been a couple of years since either one of us have done it. So really feeling um, it's the right time, you know. And, uh, yeah, outside that, it's just, you know, growing like, like you guys are. Growing the podcast, continuing to learn, keeping my fucking nose on the beat of whatever is going on. You know, any, any cool new shit to try, I'll try it. So... Guinea pig in my body and and uh, hoping for the best with it, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, it's fucking awesome, dude.
5: Dude, thanks for coming out to the yeah, Ranch thank you. and chatting with us. Yeah, absolute you know?
1: pleasure.
3: Yeah, yeah fastest,
1: sure. fastest, forty-five minutes.
3: Well, and it's kind of cool. Seeing as we just finished, well, we're not almost done with the podcast room, but we're yeah, getting we're just there. Going through a remodel and yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, we. This just is got the it. freshest coat of paint you've ever seen, bro. And this and, and our cow skin rug, which we just procured, so I'm pretty. Smart. I like
5: it. I'm barefoot, so it feels uh, good on
3: dude, the feet. I love it. I like. Was wondering. I was like, man, I wonder if you could just get a whole bunch of these and just do your whole house in them. Yes. John's looking at me. I'll, I'll <laughs>
4: make it happen. Uh, t-
3: I was thinking for you because, I, I mean, I'm married. I couldn't get away with it. You, on the other hand, is a single dude, yeah. Luke's
2: married. He's married. You, on the other hand, could just mere, cover your whole house in fucking cow skin Mirror, ceilings, and cow skin fl- cow skin floors. That's my move. Oh, that's uh, it.
5: That's not rapey. Yeah, no, but then you then you meet the girl. You go on a date, and she has an, a cow allergy,
3: and she can't fucking come in your house. will galactic no. shock. The other thing that if I was you, I'd be hunting on Craigslist are just kegerators. That way, every room of your house has its own kegerator. Uh huh. So yeah. like your living Better room, that
5: that'd be amazing. You have one with kombucha. You've got one with cold brew coffee, and then you've got
1: like
2: a beer a, one. Yeah, a good beer I guess, one. I also sand. I need a sand room. Oh, you got I, a sand guy. I got a good sand guy. Wall to wall <laughs> sand. Uh, and so I foam on, too.
1: That's a great, like a, a three-tapper on the wall, one cold uh, brew, one fucking booch, yeah. and one uh, brew? I feel like I
3: would abuse the cold bomb. brew. Oh, yeah. I would abuse the cold brew, like coffee, like nobody's business. I'm we like, have, oh, we uh, have one of those in on it. It's a fucking... <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> uh, how you feeling? I'm okay, feeling Dude, I've had like fucking ten cups of coffee. It's fucking... Honor. It's so smooth. It's not bitter. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's okay.
3: so much better. It's less acidic. <laughs> it's really good if you start mixing them all together, you know? You're like, oh, I got some oh, of this and this yeah. and this. Yeah, we need to get that triple tap area. Maybe that's an You know, thing. Uh, um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, when we started Wade's Army, which is our 501c3 charity for neuroblastoma, so we have a charity that helps families for uh, neuroblastoma for little kids um, or pediatric cancer, really. Um, but the first year when I designed this awful T-shirt and we did like a T-shirt drive to raise money, what did we make, like 18 grand the first mm-hmm. year? Uh, on it sent us... Uh, a ton of of uh, the mushroom caps, the mushroom, shroom tech sport, yeah, t- yeah, the cordyceps yeah. sent us like fucking like thousands of those, and we stuffed them in all of the packages. We like everything free, but I remember on it was like our one of our like really just, first corporate sponsor, yeah, yeah, our first corporate yeah. sponsor sent us all that shit, and we were. Uh, we were like, ah, as we were stuffing them in, we had all these left, so we just started taking them by the handful. I was like, what? What is? Yeah, shroom tech and alpha brain. What? Yeah, like, what does five do? What does ten do? And then I got up to where I was like, I'm just going to take thirty of these things. And what happened? And then at that point, I could see uh, like C sounds.
5: Yeah, I was like, I can see the fucking sound. At that coming. point, it became clairvoyant. <laughs> yeah,
4: <So laughs> I was like, <laughs> I
3: was, I was <laughs> for Professor X without cerebro attached. Actually, uh, Luke became bulimic, and I was like, you can read minds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, yeah. On it was our first corporate sponsor, and I just remember we had like all of these, and they were in like I think like two packs. Yeah, and I remember just like snapping them out. I'm like, okay, what is a handful of these? And we like, mixed them all up and fucking just pounded. Well, that was like doc- Dr. Tom's thing. He's like, well, a lot of these dosages are based off the average female.
1: Right. And it's like, you know, 120 pound female. So a guy like John should really be taking 10 X. And he's like, I should. And just all of a sudden, everything was like 10 <laughs> times. The yeah, I just started size. taking handfuls 10 slices of, everything. of pizza, 10 <laughs> beers, <laughs> like fucking Lyle
5: La Alzado. <laughs> <laughs> <with
1: your
3: supplements. laughs> Dude, um, when I was a little kid, like, OK, so I have two funny Lyle Alzado stories. So uh, my brother and I were riding our bikes um, in because Pal- he lived in Palos Verdes. And he had this badass fucking Rolls Royce. Uh, my brother and I were uh, coming out of school, like middle school. And I remember we were like riding, like had our bikes and we were pushing them across uh, like the, you know, like a like couple of street, like. You know, whatever stop signs. And um, we were in the crosswalk and we were trying to get over where this market was, PV Market. And fucking Lau Azado almost hit us in the fucking crosswalk. Damn. And so we were like, uh, fucking, dude, this dude fucking like literally dove out of the way, almost hit our bikes, honked at us, gave us a finger. We were like, who the fuck? So then, like, a couple weeks later, we're at the beach. And uh, like, this is at Torrance Beach. And I remember we were there for junior lifeguards and we were like, like on, like, like on the boardwalk and ready to, I forgot what we were doing something. And he walked by in a fucking string tank top and I shit you not dude. He looked like a superhero. His yeah. fucking chest oh, yeah. was so big that I, like the only the way I could describe it, it, was like a shelf. Like you could sit a drink on his chest. He was so fucking big. And I remember walked oh, like seeing him and and my brother was like, That was the dude that almost hit us and gave us the finger. (laughs) And we were so fucking scared uh, that it was Lyle Alzado fucking almost ran us over. And then he had this like, uh, it was like a black convertible Rolls Royce that he used to roll around in. Damn. But he was so fucking big.
1: When we sat down with Hatfield, wasn't he saying like it was highly probable he was going to the beach to work out with him to do sprints and stuff? Wasn't that crazy? Like just
3: small fucking universe. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he would go down to Torrance yeah. Beach, and he was like, "Oh yeah, right on the on the ramp." And I was like, "Yeah, we, we fucking used to see him." And so it was just uh, yeah, it was a funny, funny small world. But uh, and then like the big one was remember he like came on TV and I did all mm-hmm. these you know steroids and I died, and then it came out years later that it wasn't the drugs and it wasn't the brain cancer; it was actually AIDS.
5: Oh no shit! HIV. I didn't know
3: that. Yeah, so he was embarrassed to come out as uh didn't want to be remembered as an HIV athlete. Wow. So that whole thing came out with the cancer and all that and actually I forgot who I've heard that from multiple people, but actually in the NFL I heard that. Hmm. That he got diagnosed with HIV. Living the dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a beast though. Yeah. That was he was fun to watch. Yeah. Those were, yeah, but uh, I wish I took supplements like Alzado. Oh, fuck, that guy was huge. Uh, but, well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, thank you guys for uh, having
5: dude, me. Yeah. yeah, good job. Hell we'll yeah. Definitely. I'll definitely have you guys on the Human Optimization Hour. Oh, We'd love to come over, go. man. Awesome. Uh, I've
3: uh, driven by on it, but never actually ever ever been in there. Oh, fuck yeah. We got to do a tour. Get some good good uh, drinks from the cafe, cold brew. Cold brew. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Texas over there mixing kombucha, cold brew, and beer. Mm-hmm. The suicide. I'm in. I'm go to work. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank Bye. you. <laughs>
0: it's time for you to empower your performance you can check out kyle's podcast by going to onit.com backslash podcast or by searching itunes or stitcher you can also find kyle on instagram at kingsvu. until next time bye